stretch out Think your skin can bring you so much pain Now I hear you say You got the best of both ways Won't you come and take a walk in my shoes And tell me if you take my place Under the cover of my skin Welcome to episode number 208 of the Inside Running Podcast. Thank you for joining us for another week. Huge show coming at you this week. We've got a uh, Nike Melbourne Marathon special segment we're going to bring in to you as we preview that event, which is coming up in seven weeks' time. We've got all the usual segments. Benny St. Lawrence is going to be joining us. We're going to call him to catch up with a friend of the show there. Jessica Stenson interview at the end. Some massive running news out of Valencia Half Marathon that happened about 24 hours ago. And um, well, thanks to Patreon supporters, talk about our run on weeks and do a bit of moose on the loose, listen to question, maybe if we have some time. That was a big intro, fellas. Welcome to my co-host, Bradley Croker up in Canberra. Welcome this week, Croaks. Thanks, Brady. Lot on. You excited? I'm looking at this agenda. I'm super excited to talk about some of this stuff. Things are getting well, exciting in the running world. It's a sign that running is back. Well, and truly. My other co-host down in Anglesey, Julian Spence. Welcome to this week's show. The big shoe dog from the beach and Ballarat. And Australia, you, can, you are up and about, aren't you? You oh, can tell you just extra little bit of love for your own voice at the start. Monday is my favourite day of the week. Monday, I just love Monday so much. So I get to do this, get to go to work for the whole day, and then I come home from work and then talk to you guys for about an hour and a half, and then put it on Patreon after this. It's a big day, Monday, so I got to be up and about for it. Just as soon as that microphone gets in front of you, you just start getting a little bit toey, don't you? The, uh, the, yeah, I'm much more up and about once we hit record. I'm sure you boys both noticed that. So, yeah, what, what's going on? Are you on? saying this is a fake, a fake Brady? So I can just turn it on and off. Turn it on and off, and I just like turn it on for the listeners out there. Brady gets very excited when he's training for a marathon, and he can tell everybody about his super sessions. Got a couple of those to talk about this week, Croaks. Big week of training from me. Looking forward to getting into that. But no, this is a full agenda. The agenda doesn't usually look this full, so I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah. It's, it's not often that the listeners hear from us three and a previous 10,000-metre record holder and Jessica Stenson fresh off a 225 marathon. Like, it's a loaded bill. If this was a music festival, this would be a good lineup. It's true. And a, and a world record and to a, discuss. And possibly, we'll talk about it when we get to it, possibly the greatest running achievement performance we've spoken about since this podcast started in 208 episodes yeah I'd, yeah we'll discuss that later on so yeah anyway boys you've got a bit to live up to who wants to go first to talk about their uh, run a week before we get to the good stuff moose can go moose can go yeah, get the good stuff out of the way early <laughs> go moose um yeah well uh i <laughs> had a day off monday actually so no i didn't i got told to go run on monday because i didn't run Sunday so I got out early because I took off to Ballarat and and that's nice to get out early I don't do it too often so I went and ran a loop um, three white deer I saw three of those ghost deer just trotted along the road in front of me which is pretty cool uh, then the next day Tuesday I ran on the treddy just because 
seems to be my OP. So my knee's okay. I've got some osteitis pubis that I've struggled with in the past and it really enjoys the flat treadmill. So, well, it's not flat. I put it on like 2% gradient because it takes a little bit of the bump off the treadie. And, but just the fact that I'm on a really flat surface means the pelvis is happy for some reason. Um, but yeah, put that on, put a movie on, like just stayed in the garage and got a fan so it cools me down. Next day, I got a license to do a little bit of a workout. So I had four by two minutes steady, two minutes jog. I think I did five minutes, five of them though. Um, and steady was just to feel and uh, just tried to feel smooth when I was moving. I don't even know what the paces were. I didn't even look. Um, I'm not even going to look now because it's irrelevant. <laughs> but it, it it was it was nice to get moving a little bit quicker. Body body was okay. Day off Thursday, Friday. Um, yeah, I got out for a, a jog with Ali. She came and did some lactate testing, and I jogged her cool down with her and kept going. It's a little bit warmer. I think it was. Gee, I don't know. It was just a bit warmer. The sun was out, and so my my heart rate it didn't tolerate that real well, and and that was a tough one. <laughs> I got I was allowed to get going at the end, one k just to finish. Um, Treddy seven k on Saturday felt really good this was the the first time that i was like felt great for the whole run and got off the treadie and i was like okay that was good and then the next morning had a my sort of 12k i went out for 7k outside and then came back and did 5k on the treadie just to protect the pelvis a little bit so i got 12k and then met the group for a long run i was on the mountain bike they did like a hilly tempo um out the back at anglesey so all up i think it was about 50 three or 4k um and building momentum so a good a good finish to the week which is what we like don't we we like good finishes rather than poor finishes momentum's heading in the right direction very good that's positive ops ops okay outside now um it was yesterday so i've it's a combination of doing a bit too much gym work and then the reintroduction of running um, a lot of sitting, so I've had to work this week a couple of days, which, uh, I mean, th- three hours a day in the car, because I'm not staying up, I'm going, I want to come home. It's three day, three hours a day in the car. Then I'm doing re- office work at home, which means I'm sitting down at home. So a lot more sitting than I have been, so I think that's causing a bit too. Sleep reduced as well? Mm, a little bit, not by a great deal. Uh, one thing I'm noticing is that if the baby gets to sleep well and calmly, I sleep calmly. If the baby gets to sleep, but it has to go through like half an hour of grizzling and like a little bit of crying and commotion, it makes me really anxious and I have a trouble getting to sleep after that. So correlation. Mm-hmm. I'm, me and the baby are in, we're in the same sort of Zen pattern. You think? Good observation. Yeah. Mm. All right, yep. Bradley, tell us about your run a week. All right, so Monday, I got out in the morning because I had my uh, second Pfizer jab uh, mid-morning. So uh, I did 11K, 410s. I actually felt pretty good um, considering it was like a Monday morning. Uh, so then, yeah, I had my jab that like, a couple of hours after that. Um, I didn't run Tuesday. I was pretty crap again after that injection. Um the the lymph nodes like in my armpits like get really swollen sore had like a bit of a fever 
Um, so I just, yeah, there was no way I was running on, on Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, got out in the afternoon, still wanted to keep sort of a midweek long run there. So I did 80 minutes, um, 19K. Uh, didn't feel like, felt okay. It was more when I finished the run. I went home and had a shower and I had sort of a bit of a, um, you know, those times when you've been, when you're sick and you've got sort of hot, cold shivers and you're under the shower and you're like, it's on as hot as it can go, but you're still a little bit cold and you're just trying to warm yourself up. Um, yeah. That's that's how it felt after that run. Um, then Thursday, I was pretty I was pretty good by by Thursday. So I did an hour in the morning, 4.19s, and then that afternoon went down to the synthetic um, and just did 30 minutes and a few drills and strides. And then uh, Friday was the only session that I did for the week. So I went down to Thoroughbred Park, met Rob. Uh, it was pretty warm, actually. Like it was 20, 23 degrees, sort of mid, mid-afternoon, which is probably one of the hottest days we've had. Um, and the session was... A 15-minute tempo, um, just 90 seconds um, jog after that, and then a bit of fartlek, so four by one minute on, one minute float. Um, and then I was going to do six by three, uh, six by 30 second on, 30 second float, but I ended up doing four. So I started off, and I had this workout um, customized, I set up in my watch. And you know, in you know, with the Coros, when you go to your set workouts you have the option of choosing either run or track mode yeah yeah Yeah. and so the last time i used this was on when i was doing track sessions and i was like um pacing somebody i just basically had splits every like 200 meters or whatever but the data screens that i had for all of my track workouts never had pace never had heart rate just had like lap time and overall time and I, I totally forgot about it. And so I started the session. Hang on, and I'm why like, did you use the track mode? Because you're on well, the race I, course to see if it No, no, no. So I didn't I didn't want to use track mode, but I didn't change it from oh. the last time that I used it. So, you know, so I basically started the session. I'm scrolling through the screens, trying to find one that has pace or heart rate. And I'm like, shit, I've got mm. nothing. I've got, no, I've got basically just time and overall distance. Um, so th- this session was all to basically just completely to feel. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and as it turned out, the heart rate strap didn't even work um, very well either. Uh, so anyway, I ended up doing 322s for 15 minutes, um, jogged 90 seconds at just over four minute Ks. And then all of the one minute reps were between 303 and 306 off sort of a 350 kilometer minute jog slash float and then the 30s were um between like three minutes and 305s uh, off 30 seconds at about 345 so um i did i, I pulled the pin after that because I, I just like the heat just started to catch up with me and it's like it, it's a it's a pretty solid session when you're not that fit um there's not a lot of recovery there so i, I figured that i'd i'd worked hard enough for the day um, but then looking back at it, I was actually pretty happy with how consistent the splits were, not ha- having any any feedback. Um, so anyway, for the whole session, I think it was average like 325s for for just over 8K. 90 yeah. seconds isn't long off a 15-minute no. effort too. No, it's not. And the last I've only ever done this session once, and it was when I was down the coast, and it was the one session I did in the Alpha Flyers, um, I actually did this session though, but I only had a minute recovery after the tempo, but 
um, I increased it to 90, but really given the heat, I probably just needed, probably needed a little bit more, a little bit more recovery. Um, like the heat definitely started to zap me in that last sort of five minutes. Um, yeah, anyway, it was a good, good session. Um, yeah. Uh, then Saturday morning, got out for an hour. I listened to an interview with, um, Danny Mackey. Uh, he coached like the Brooks Beast guys in, uh, in the U S and, uh, he coached Josh Kerr. He finished third at the Olympics in the 1500. That was a, yeah, interesting chat. I quite enjoyed it and made the takeaway. What was the uh, takeaway? Uh, oh, it was more like there was a lot of like mental, like the mental side of the sport, um, which I got a lot from, um, and like obviously dealing with different athletes and some that can stay up for a long period of time, others can't, and um, like he mentioned the thing about the hero story. So like you know make you know make yourself a particular character or whatever like when things get tough and yeah it was like it was just an interesting chat um what podcast so, was it on bradley uh, i was with the on coaching with like mag steve magnus one. Oh yeah yeah Maybe she yeah. love that one don't you <laughs> jonathan marcus yeah he's been he's on, an fire on twitter last blog. week as well oh my god those guys didn't talk much in this how one, the mate. hell can you listen i don't know how you can put up with that <laughs> well this was him talking mainly you know what he said do you know what he said about someone if you if you haven't worked out how to not be depressed and not be happy, you're not smart enough or something along that. Actually, yeah. I'm going to pull up the actual tweet and then you can tell me if you're going to listen to that podcast again. Oh, like, but yeah, look, the was, interview. Someone the interview, screenshotted a moose in that replies to his one last week. Okay, if, I'll, if you want okay. to try and find it. Thank you. I reckon I've blocked him, so but I'll have to go dig him. <laughs> so that was Saturday morning. Uh, Saturday afternoon, got out for another 32 minutes at four seventeens and then um met jimmy barker for a run on uh on sunday morning so uh yeah he doesn't run slow slow on a sunday so we um yeah got rolling pretty early first 45 minutes i didn't feel great but then as the run uh the longer the run went sort of the better i felt in a way so we did now 55 at 403 so just over 28k uh for a week of 119k so um, yeah, not not a perfect week because I had obviously had to miss a day, only one session. Um, but hopefully now I can, I don't know, string together. I want to try and string together a good like ten week block between now and Christmas or New Year, and then sort of work out what I want to do after that. Ten weeks. Yeah, you'll be fit off like three weeks. You don't. Oh, need I'm 10. not. I'm not. I'm not fit at the moment. Look <laughs> at your blue bars on Strava. You've been consistent as. Oh, I've been. You I've not been need ten weeks. No, so like I've had a pretty good year in terms of overall volume, but if you look at, you know, like I jogged for eight weeks and in so basically in the last, what, 12 weeks, I've done maybe five sessions. So, you, you know, you're not going to be fit. Yeah, but you like, do two sessions a week for the next three three weeks and you'll run under 15 easy. We'll see. Anyway, I just want to string together. I just want now that all those jabs are out of the way and I like hopefully just won't miss any more days. Yeah, you um, time that one, till, didn't you? You jogged for eight weeks and then you got yeah. back into training and you got two vaccinations in the space of three weeks. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, all good. Body, um, yeah, body starts to body's feeling like it's actually improved a fair bit. So I still have still have my rough days with my hip and back, but um, on the whole, uh, definitely moving a fair bit better. And Canberra's pretty good, isn't it? The most vaccinated place in the world. Isn't it like ninety five percent or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's getting close. Viv actually had her second today. Her, she had Moderna. Oh yeah, don't know how many people had that one. See how she pulls up. Uh, Can you say it was the boutique one? That's like the yeah, I did. Day, isn't it? Yeah, I did. I did tell her that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about getting that for me second one, but then I heard you can't mix and match them. Anyway, mm. 
Um, want to hear about my week? Sure. Through this. Of course we do. Monday, I, I had a bit, yeah, up and down week actually. Monday jogged for 50 minutes in the morning, 10.7K, 4.45. Mondays for me now, especially Monday mornings, are just like slow as possible. Just jog 24 hours after usually a big Sunday. So just take it easy. And then 8.5K in the afternoon at 4.36s. Tuesday, oh yeah, Tuesday morning. I've been figuring out, well, I've known this for a long time, but I don't usually do it. I usually get up at like 6.30, 6.15, and then I'm kind of out the door at 6.45, 7. And when you're just up a mileage a bit and you're doing some bigger workouts, it just makes those first couple of Ks really difficult. So I've been getting into the old uh, foam roller and the massage gun, just spending 10 minutes doing that stuff before I get out for the morning jog. And it just makes that morning jog so much more enjoyable once you're a bit loose. Or I've just got to get up earlier, just move around the house a bit more. But I did that Tuesday morning, and uh, yeah, I felt good. 8K at 4.18s. Then, oh yeah, Tuesday, was Carly got sick Monday night, so she was um, up vomiting like all night Monday night, and then, yeah, pretty much on the couch all day Tuesday. So I took Hudson to her parents' house on the way to work, and then picked him up after school while Carly was still sick. And then I just got out at 6 p.m. for kind of like 12.5K at 4.26s. And you blokes would remember last week when I was saying my aunties were feeding Hudson all that food, and that's why I thought he was vomiting. Mm. Yeah, it turns out he probably had a bit of gastro or something because that hit Carly Monday night to wipe her out Tuesday. And then Tuesday night about oh, 11.45, you know when your body like wakes you up when you're sleeping because you're like going to be sick and it's like, hey, you got to do something about this. So I was like quickly out of bed, straight to the toilet, and then, um, yeah, messaged Archie and kind of said, hey, I'm not going to be there at 6.30 tomorrow morning, so this is the session you've got to do. And I just spent the, yeah, terrible night Wednesday night, uh, Tuesday night, and then like all day in bed Wednesday. And uh, I reckon I would have had uh, taken 50 steps for the day if that kind of pretty much in bed on the couch watching TV. Just hate life when you feel like that. And yeah, a couple bits of toast to eat, and that was about it. And then I was kind of annoyed because I really wanted to do like my Wednesday workout, and then I was yeah just annoyed that I missed it. But Carly did bounce back on the Wednesday, so I was kind of taking some positives out of that that it maybe was just a twenty-four hour thing. And then Thursday morning when I woke up, I just went for an easy eight k, put my heart rate monitor on, um, just keep like that under like one hundred and twenty-five, super easy. And then that felt pretty good. So I'm like, nah, I feel like I'm pretty good. I'm going to do a workout Thursday afternoon. And then I did two sets of 10 400 meter reps up this like straight road, one direction, wait for 30 seconds, come back again. And then I jogged 400 meters between the sets, which was good because it just broke it down, um, you know, mentally, just do 10 and then you get a break and then you just got to do another 10. But I think I stitched myself up a bit, probably measured it a bit too long on the watch. And they were probably close to 410. Um, so I was planning to hit 70s, but I was hitting like 71, 72, 73s most of the time. Shocking workout, like super hard, not motivated. Like just one of those workouts that's very hard to do on the road compared to the track. But anyway, I got it done. 30 seconds goes quick, fellas. 30 seconds is not a long time recovery. Um, mm. Remember when it takes a while when you're in the sprint, though. Hey? It's a bit longer when you're in the sprint. Yeah. 30 seconds. Can yeah. take a while. Yeah. Remember when we did, I remember we did 20 of these moose in Ballarat one day with water. Remember that? 20 off 30 seconds. Yeah, the 400s. Yeah. yeah. That's it. We've, we've no break in between. Like we did. What pace were you hitting? Oh, I was hitting like 71s on this thing. I think me and you were hitting like 68, 69s that day. 
Yeah, I, I, you were pretty fit. You can do before it, You can do them at five k pace, I reckon. This workout, um, yeah, I reckon it's possible. It gets a bit tougher later, but as a marathoner, like the speed's the hardest part here, I reckon. And it's just, it, like for me, the leg work, turning it over, is the difficult bit. But like, yeah. like number eighteen is is pretty much the same sort of effort level as number one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember you saying that at the time. Um, so that was, and that was hot as well, like 25 degrees. So got it done, ticked off Friday, jogged easy in the morning, 13K at 4.39s, easy 10K in the afternoon, 29 degrees that day. So that was good to get out in the heat. Easy 16K in the morning, Saturday, 4.32s, 100% humidity. So like sweating everywhere, just not much fun at all. And then 8K in the afternoon, Saturday. And then did the workout I was telling you guys about at the end of last week's show, 28K at 3.25 pace it was. I'm saying it's like 95% marathon pace, but I've got no idea what my marathon pace is, so it's a bit of a, a guess, an estimation. What were, you, what were you aiming at then? You uh, were just looking at a number and trying no, to No, so it? I put it, I went 95% of 2.18 flat pace, hoping that I'm kind of in that shape. And then I thought, what's that? Uh, so that would be 3.16, 3.17K. No, I mean, what's, um, yeah, what's the 95%? 3.26s. Oh, yeah. yeah. That should be pretty – that's reasonable. Yeah, well, I thought it was – I didn't think it was too ambitious, and I thought, well, I'll at least aim for that in this workout, and then I'll get some good data after this workout to be able to say, well, was it too hot, too easy, what kind of thing was it? And it felt good. It felt like it locked in pretty well. Ks were really consistent, like not much variation between the fastest and slowest K for the 28K. Um, did it with Nath Stote. He drove over. Archie jumped on the bike for a bit. Glenn paced us through the first lap. We did this kind of like 8K road loop a couple of times, then a bit of out and back at the end there. Got some gels in, some drinks in. Yeah, it felt felt comfortable. A bit windy, a bit hot. How far did you go? How far did I go? 28K. Yeah, what was the distance? 28. 28K. So, um, in a bit yeah. of pro kit. Yeah. Help, help, help with the motivation. Was it was it performance enhancing? Performance enhancing with the Malama Bowling Club logo on there. Did you Brad. see that, Chris? Brad, no, what I didn't sort, see that. What sort of bloke goes on the internet and buys no, it's being given to a team? Yeah, the internet yeah. goes on the internet. I love buys that you can kit. buy the Nike kit and pretend you're oh, like a, boy. pretend you're like motivated by Brett Robinson and Stewie and stuff like that. I want to get the yellow oh, Stewie one. Apart from mine's got my own bowling club screen printed on it, so it just gives it away that I'm like. No, no, can you even see that free. within that pattern? Yeah, I don't think so. It's white. I think you're trying to hide that. You're embarrassed of that now. No, you want that's... just people to think you're just flat Nike Anyway, sponsor. listeners, I looked pretty good out there. No, I definitely don't want people to think I'm sponsored <laughs> that's by Nike. That's the exact thing you're going for. With that is definitely not. He was trying, or... just trying to psych out his training partner. Why would I have Mohamed well, Bowling Club like, screen printed on there if you I'm trying to... Hey? All the ones sponsor. Lance Armstrong was Nike and Oakley. Trek. Anyway. It felt good. I looked good. Felt good. Everything went to plan, fellas. This would have um, felt alright though, because this is this is similar to like when you like when we pace Gold Coast Marathon. It's pretty much you know this yeah. sort of pace. Yeah. 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 These are these ones should. They should feel should like be, a bit faster than steady. Easy, yeah. Yeah. Now, this is a bit of a trap. I think you should want like a lot of people going into Melbourne now, just coming into some marathon training. This isn't something I. I You've done a lot of longer tempos to prepare yourself for this. Oh, yeah. This is getting close to the fire, though. Like, yeah. Like, how long? Yeah, like, it's an hour oh. 40. Like, the good thing about this workout is, like, for a person like me, 
I probably struggle a bit with the concentration and the mental stuff. So if you give yeah. me if you give me four by five k, I can do that because I've only got to concentrate for sixteen and a half minutes, and then I get to go into a float. Whereas this one, even though the pace is a bit slower, you start it and you're like, okay, we are on and we're locked into a pace for an hour and forty minutes, yeah. and you've got to go through those. No, I didn't have many of them. Like sometimes you're like, okay, this is going through a bad patch, but just get to the next gel or get to the next 5k split on your watch or whatever. Um, and probably, you probably shouldn't have too many rough patches at this kind of effort level. It probably but this, this is a trap though, because, because it is that effort level, there's the temptation to go, mm, you know what, I'm going to finish this one real, f- I'm going to finish yeah. this strong. And yeah. then you get sucked into going, okay, like 326, 324. I still feel good. 322, 322, 322, 318. And you're like, all of a sudden, that's not 95% effort anymore. And a few too many of these linked together is like the biggest reason for failure for that debut marathoner, the guy who's got a bit of fitness behind him, um, but ends up with an injury out or just cooks himself and has a bad marathon. Or you end up with a workout three weeks before looking better than the race does. So often, and yeah. also it teaches you discipline. And if you can't be disciplined in a workout like this, then you can't be disciplined on race day. And yeah. that, that is, oh, it's so common to see that. Like, oh, I felt good. I thought I'd keep running. Look, it was really comfortable. You hear your athletes tell you, oh, no, I was comfortable the whole time. Okay, well, at the 20K mark of the race, you have to be comfortable and you have to be in your zone still and not go, yep, I'm going to drop four seconds a K, six seconds a K. All mm. right. It's like this is the this is mental training. Yeah. This is this isn't physical training. This is you practicing discipline, practicing those places you go to, and understanding it's okay to still feel good. There's a long way to go. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And like actually doing this one, like in the last five or six k of this workout, I was thinking, what can I do at this stage to feel good for my workout on Wednesday? Like, and that's the difference between hitting, keep hitting 326s instead of going, okay, let's start ripping 315s, 316s to get a bit of confidence behind you. Yeah. Because I could see where people fall into a trap of going, oh, this is, you know, eight, 10 seconds a case slower than what I want to be doing on race day. It'd be good to just knock out a couple of like race day pace ones just to kind of get a bit of a confidence booster. Yeah. But, um, Definitely. Yeah. And even, even like going, oh, this is going to get some attention on Strava. Yeah. Um, look, I back when Strava started, 2014, I reckon. Uh, I don't know if that's – but that was when Strava started to kick off a bit. And I was doing a few of these leading into Melbourne. And I got in the habit of just running this little bit too quick every time. And you get, like, people give you kudos and comment and say, oh, you're smashing it. Oh, whoa, like 30K at this pace. That's incredible. Like, we did – we don't see that very often and and you're like yeah but i can go quicker and the next week you're like yeah i nailed it a bit quicker and a bit quicker bang injured two weeks out shit race you pace me for that one same for volume as well moose like you know people thinking that more is better and they you know people comment that oh man that's a massive week you've run 180k and so then the next week they're like oh let's let's crack 200 and it's just like and that's that's what's awesome about jess's interview at the end of the show is it's like man you don't need to be running a heap. Like, yes, she's unique in that she's she's an animal and an aerobic machine, but you don't need to be running massive miles to execute a good marathon if you've trained smart and you've done the right things. Yeah. yeah. you you. We shouldn't discount how much 
aerobic work she did though not running yeah yeah exactly yeah 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 um so yeah it was an okay week in the end 152k and seven weeks to go fellas until the melbourne marathon which does bring us to this special segment that we're going to be doing this week and the next four weeks partnering up with the nike melbourne marathon festival we're kind of pretty excited to talk about some different topics with some special guests over the next four weeks about the Melbourne Marathon. Um, boys, Melbourne's probably pretty special to all of us because we've all ran that marathon. It's the only marathon all three of us have completed, Bradley. <laughs> Very true. Very true. What do you run there, Brad? <laughs> I ran a, uh, a 230. 230 hey, that's good for you. With, uh, that's a good run for you. Third yeah. fastest marathon, Is that your it? third fastest ever? Uh, no, fourth fastest. Oh, still pretty good. Yeah, it's actually, it's my slowest. <laughs> And yeah. Moose, you would have ran a few. How many of Melbourne have you ran? Five, six? You oh, used to do it every year nearly, didn't you? I did it a lot. I've had some some horrors there. Um, my second rap marathon there all time, like my second I've ever done was there, 2009. 2009? Yeah, a long time ago. Uh, I ran there with, I, I ran the Burnley half as my first half marathon, like a month earlier. Ran 69, 52, I think. Um, signed up for Geelong Athletics like the week after Brett Coleman signed me up and then I got it into the Victorian team so I chucked that uniform on for the day and um, didn't know watch the watch ran a battery before the start line and um, and then so I had to deal with just running by feel and it was fucking it's just the best way to do it Jeez, you ran 227.34 as well yeah just no idea what I was doing can't remember if I had even even had gels. Uh, I was a big sort of football. I got a picture of me like with a couple of guys. Your old coach, Richard um, Gleisner, yeah. Richard Gleisner. Who else was on that in that team? Um, Nathan. Can't remember those kind of guys. No, uh, it wasn't Nathan. Gee, I have to find his photo. I was standing up there in like some some Nike SB dunks on the podium with, with um, track, strap a tracksuit pants and the singlet on. It was quite a funny photo. It's pretty good. But yeah, I just looked up your profile. So there's a couple on here, like 2009, you ran 227.34. 2014, you ran 227.30. So you didn't improve much in those five years. No. Nah. Then the 226.10 in 2016, which I think... No, I paced you in 2014 and then you paced me in 2015. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had, I had a, de- yeah. The one I, I didn't finish the race where I paced you, and then that one was when Zaka, Zaka ran off on me. That two twenty six. That was Zaka, a real windy year. And that's right. Dane, hot yep. and windy, Sinead. Oh no, no it wasn't, wasn't the Sinead, Sinead race. No. Yeah, but, but it was a similar day to that. Hot oh, and windy and terrible. So many good memories at Melbourne Marathon. And you do bring up a good point about not, not sure what you're going to get with the weather because the year when you paced me, 2015, it was like perfect weather. Oh, spot on, and wasn't spot it? Spot on, yeah. Got me there. So some fond memories of the Melbourne Marathon. And this year, obviously, it's going to happen. There's been some great PR around it the last couple of weeks. They do have some capacities, though. So the mm. marathon is capped this year at 7,000 people, and there are 1,500 remaining spots. The Nike Half Marathon is capped at 9,000, and there's 2,000 remaining spots. The Sri Lankan Airlines 10K is capped at 6,000, 2,200 spots left. The 5K run 4,000 cap, and there's 2,500 spots left there. So listeners, if you're sitting on the fence, not sure about getting your entry in or not, I'd be definitely getting it in, because I think mm. Melbourne this year is going to be like 
the return of marathoning yeah. in Australia, which is going to be like, oh, I'm so you, yeah, you guys know I'm so excited about it. We talked <laughs> about it at the start of the show. And I just, I don't know, Melbourne's always got a special part to me. Like, I don't know, just good vibes around it. I love going down there even if you're not racing every year and just watching or handing out drinks or whatever it is you do. So definitely time now to secure your spot because, yeah, this will definitely and is expected to sell out. So getting quick. And um, um, just, to, I guess, a few key, like, dates because there's, there's no expo th this year um, because the entry, like, your bibs are getting posted. So if you've entered before... Uh, midnight on November 14. Um, you have you you'll have your race bib um, mailed to you free of charge. But then between like November 15 and 21, um, you can still register, but you'll have to cover the express postage uh, for your bib to arrive. So um, yeah, get in before November 14 to get that uh, free free bib delivery. Yeah. What about training? So like, if there's any listeners out there, first time marathoners, tips, and you know they've registered for Melbourne. Any tips, fellas? I'm sure you guys have uh, given out plenty of tips about the Melbourne Marathon in the past with some of your athletes, but are there any kind of obvious ones that you can pretty much give out to everyone for first-timers? Well, in, in general, like as for the general Melbourne Marathon Festival, I would say respect the marathon and and don't sign up for the actual marathon if you're not willing to commit to the, the training for it because the half marathon is not just the half. Same with the 10K, it's not just the 10K. It, it, it's still an excellent event. And um, you don't see Mo Farah saying, oh, I only won the 10K, it was just the 10K that I won at the Olympics. It's like, no, they're a great event in itself. And you don't always have to be, run the marathon to get the most sort of um, out of the, the festival. So I'd say like, look at where you're at. If you're willing to commit to the marathon, go bang, get your long runs in. But picking a shorter distance is not a cop-out mm. so would you be expecting people make that call now or oh yeah well saying, it's happening okay, now yeah. it's happening <laughs> well you've got to get yeah. what I mean. you've got to get your entries in now so you'd be saying yeah, evaluate where you are seven weeks out to them yeah. like if you haven't been doing long runs don't now sign up for the marathon maybe That's the half right. marathon or 10k is for you but also uh, from, from but also on the flip side of that from the training point of view yes you're in the nuts and bolts of a marathon block now but you're better off getting to the start line in one piece and healthy than overdone. So don't be greedy in this last five to six weeks of, of training. Because there isn't a lot of training time left when you take out that two-week taper, seven weeks ago to go yesterday. So we're looking at five quality weeks. That's like five five long runs, really, when you're talking yeah. about it. So it's going to um, run around pretty quick training-wise. Two tips that I – so the two mistakes that I made for my marathon debut, which wasn't at Melbourne, um, but the first one was, like, have a plan at the start and stick to it. So, like, I missed – like, so it was in Japan and I didn't have a seated start and so I basically got pushed right to the back. And so the gun goes, it takes me, like, 25 seconds, 30 seconds to get across the start line – so then I start like sprinting to try and get up to the pack that I want to run with. And you don't think much, and coming from the shorter distances, you don't think much of it. But I've, I've used so much energy in that first five to 10K, even though I still felt amazing, but I'd obviously overcooked it in that first five and 10. And, you know, the race was done. The other thing I didn't do was nutrition. I because I got to like 15K, 20K, I'm like, I still feel good. I don't need to take anything. So make sure you keep on top of your pacing and your nutrition very early on. 
and practice that stuff in the next couple of weeks as well. See what sits yeah. in your stomach well. Practice picking up cups off tables if that's what you're going to be doing. Because um, there's that risk where it always it always feels easy at the start, and you can run you can run 10, 15 seconds a k faster than your goal marathon pace, and it's still going to feel comfortable, but it's going to come back to bite you in the last 10, 15 k. I think Melbourne's all about knowing the course a bit as well. Like there's some spots there where they're long straights and if there is a tailwind and you're feeling good early in the race, you can kind of get a bit caught up and it, it's kind of out and back in a way. So once you go down beach, if you're going down beach road with a massive tailwind feeling good and probably running 10 seconds a K too quick, it's going to come back to bite you later on. And they're big, long straights, like after that turnaround at Alwood and then after you go Fitzroy Street to come back down St Kilda Road, like there's some mm. almost some mental preparation you need to do in that race because when your body's tired and you're hitting those long roads and it feels like you're not getting anywhere, um, yeah, you need to be kind of ready for that kind of course. Yeah, so. and also the toughest part of Melbourne in terms of the hills is, is at the end, you know, going up up near the te- um, Shrine of Remembrance there. Yeah, yeah, and then you've got to be kind of ready for a bit of downhill there too, like once you, once you take that right-hand turn to hit the downhill before you hit St Kilda Road again. Yeah, it's a great course. The half's fast as well. My PB is at Melbourne. It's a good half marathon course around Albert Park and back again. So uh, there's plenty to look forward to there at Melbourne Marathon, the Nike Melbourne Marathon. And we'll have some more stuff about that in the next couple of weeks. Some big mm-hmm. guests organised as well to kind of share their experiences and tips for the Melbourne Marathon coming up. Anything else to add there, fellas? Get your entry in Bradley. Oh, I won't be. I won't be running this this year, but I hope to be down there. To twist his arm, I reckon, Moose. Hope to be down there again, maybe next year. Why, why wouldn't you do why it? This year? Why don't you come down pace? I'm not why running. Don't you come I'm down not doing the 10k. Or the, the, yeah, the do the 10k. Marathon. Finish yeah. at the MCG. <laughs> I finished at the MCG a few times, Brady. Have you? Yeah. The year you finished at the MCG, you weren't looking that good. Thinking you could uh, maybe got a positive experience out of it. No, I did the half. Yeah, so I did the the half. Uh, 20, oh, what year was that? Yeah, you come in fuming 20, because you did your calf, remember? No, 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 I did in 2012. What, yeah, uh, what's yeah, 2012 the best, what's the best you finished in the half there? Third. Oh, same here, Bradley. What's mm. the best you finished in the marathon, Moose? Fourth. Fourth. Yeah, you would have got money that year, wouldn't you? Uh, can't remember. What, so did Zach come third? Did he beat you that year? Oh, maybe he come fourth, I can't fit. Oh, no, I think he did come third. On the podium, Zacher. I reckon he did. I reckon it was just carnage throughout the the race because it was quite warm. Gee, I don't know. Maybe I came fifth and he was fourth. So many good stories from Melbourne, isn't there? Especially in Victoria. Everyone's got a story about Melbourne Marathon. Well, a lot of the time it's at the end of a cross-country season. So yeah. you, you're you running against people that you've been up against all year and – and you like you form relationships with them, like whether it's like at these races or AV, whatever. You you start to, to to know them and talk to them, warm up with them, whatever. So to be in a pack with them at the 35k mark, like that's cool, because it's not often that happens, mm. really. Yeah, it's just fun. And because it's cool. What I like, what what I like as well about Strava now is you can go. So I've actually opened up my Melbourne Marathon from 2016, and it shows you who you're running with, and it's like, oh, there you go. Because there's Watto. So I remember running with Watto for the first like. Mate, I wouldn't be bragging about that. Half of the race, even though I, uh, (laughs) even though I didn't know who he was. So like, yeah, there's people that I didn't know at the time, but now I look at them like, oh yeah, I know that person. (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, what time did you run there, Crokes? To come third. Oh, that's the half. No, I'm yeah. Good, oh, yeah. Um, 
uh, 66, 66-something. 66 okay. Yeah. Pre-Super Shoes. That's been a hot year. That's been a weak field if you come third with 66-something. Thanks on Patreon supporters, fellas. Want to kick us off, Bradley? Uh, yep, let me just find mine. I've got Matt Fanning this week. Uh, Matt lives in Glebe in Sydney. He's run 38-13 uh, at the Sydney 10, 126 for the Canberra Half Marathon in uh, this year, 2021, and 311 at the Sydney Running Festival in 2019. Um, we think he's a school teacher and maybe the head of mathematics at the school that he teaches at. So thanks for your support, Matt. He'd be good with numbers, head of mathematics. Mm. That's a big job title if it is. Moose, who you got? What about if he's head of mathematics at, like, in a grade two class? No, I think head of mathematics would mean he's High the school. head of, like, all the mathematics, yeah. the whole school, whatever school he works at. Yeah, what if it's a primary school? Yeah, that's still they, they do they, pretty they, hard maths in grade six. <laughs> Jimmy don't have that, though, do they? They don't have, like, department heads. Yeah, curriculum they, heads, yeah. Teaching and uh, learning, literacy yeah. leader, math leader, numeracy leader. Okay. Yeah, yeah we got those. Some, no, you'd be surprised, Moose. Some of the year six maths is pretty tricky. Yeah, I... Yeah. Because they not, start dip the good grade uh, sixes start dipping into year seven. You remember like Pythagoras and like trigonometry and stuff like that? Algebra? No, I don't yeah. remember that. <laughs> I recognise the words. Yeah. Um Lockie Outhred from Croydon South is our next patron. He has estimated bests on Strava, so we don't have PBs for him. An estimated best is the best that we can do. Twenty oh two five K. Uh, 43.27 for a 10K, 1.44 for a half marathon. He gets out on the mountain bike a bit, and we think that he's building for a debut marathon at Melbourne. Uh, maybe he has two kids, double girls. What what makes you think he's building for a debut? A few long runs? Yeah, a few long runs. A few kind of little like, mentions in some Strava posts about it. Hope he's got his entry in because they're going to sell fast, Lockie. So get it in yep. if you haven't got it already. And good luck for your debut. Thinking, what, 310? You never know with these estimated bests. Oh, I, I'm going to say a little bit more than 310. Oh, One, 144. Uh, yeah, but that mm. could have been from ages ago. It's probably just his long run or something. Let's look him up day after. Make a note of this, Brady. Mm. Lockie Outhread, I'm saying 315. Lockie, can you actually ride in the day after? Just because I might forget it by then. So let us know how you go. I'll go 310, yep. Lockie. Uh, Richard Price, Henley on Thames over there in the UK. And we had this chat a while ago, fellas, when they used yep. these river references. Um, <laughs> 908. <laughs> remember? Yeah. Remember we couldn't work it out? Yeah, yeah. Do, you reckon he's just, do you reckon this is a thing or he's just taking the piss? Oh, it could be. I don't know. Google it for me. See if it's actually a spot. No, nah, it is. It's a it spot. Yeah. What was the other one? There was some other one, wasn't there? Something. There's about 50 of them. Yeah. Avon. 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 Yeah. No, something on Avon. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, 908 for 3K, 1536 for 5. So he's got some wheels about him. 3303 for 10K, 113 half marathon, and 237 at London Marathon in 2017. He's loving the Nike Invincible shoes at the moment, going by Strava. Has two kids. He's got the uh, boy-girl combo at his place, and he runs for the Wargrave Runners Club. Gets out in the mountain, tracks a bit as well, a bit of fell running, mountain running over there. Oh, yeah, hard man. Yeah. Well, I like Wargrave Runners as well. It sounds like a pretty nice running mm-hmm. club kind of name. I like that as well. So a lot about Richard and working there. So Richard, Lockie, Matt, thank you for your Patreon support. 
and all the other legends over there on Patreon. Road to Nowhere goes out there every Wednesday morning. You get episodes early on a Monday night and you also sometimes get like special interviews like this week's, for example, Jessica Stenson. That went out on Friday. So you sometimes get stuff like a week early. So a few benefits over there if you want to support us on Patreon, help the show come out each and every week. Running you, Stellas. Where do you want to go first? Valencia? World record. Let's go to world record. Couldn't believe this last night. I wasn't watching anything. I was sitting around the fire actually having a couple of beers and then I checked Twitter on my walk home and it could nearly fell off the footpath. 62-52 for for G'day. How do we pronounce her first name? Letez... Letzenbeck. Yeah. Yeah. G'day. She was the uh, bronze medalist at the Olympics, wasn't she? Over 10,000 metres. In that kick down finish with Hassan Hassan and the Bahrainian, who names escapes me right now, but she broke the world record by 70 seconds. Mm. Um, she was the first person to break 63, but she was also the first person to ever break 64. She split 1445 and 1444 for the second and third 5k segments. Um, to put that into comparison, Australian record Jessica Hull is 1443. Uh, first woman to hold the 5k, 10k and half marathon world record at the same time. That hasn't been done since Norway's Ingrid Christensen back in 1991. Previous world No, record. who held all three until 1991. Oh, until, sorry, until yeah. 1991. Uh, so break the old one, obviously, 64.02. Just oh, crazy, crazy. It was... It was it was just beautiful to watch. Did you like, watch it the whole thing? It was, yeah, it, yeah. it was amazing. Like she just like this is not to be disrespectful to to female runners, but you often when you're watching like the elite women, they just move differently to the men. But watching her with the two pacemakers in front of her, she was just moving like the, like the guys do, like just really big, powerful, long stride, just. Effortless. It was the back was, lift. Oh. The back, the bum kick. Basic every time she looked like Bikili in that had this really high back lift where she kicks mm. her bum nearly in. Um, the first time we got to look at her was oh well, not the first time, but we saw her at Doha where she pushed Sifan in the 10k there, and just watching that race, you're like, oh, this girl moves so well. Yeah. Um, everyone just well, a lot of people predicted big things from there and. Um, this this half marathon could well be the best run of any distance of all time. I was thinking like, too. So you think about Anything. it. Yeah. You think about the quality of male athlete that runs sixty two fifty, and like they're elite. And I reckon there's a, a lot of elite males woke up this morning thinking, "Oh, I don't feel so elite anymore." Like <laughs> you know, like it would have been like, and uh, like really, she's not that far behind the men, like the, the top men. What did Liam um, Adams? What's Liam Adams run? She, I've got it right in front of me, and I'm about to get Benny Saints PB as well because well, I ben, did well, read ben. somewhere today that it, she ran one second. So Liam Adams' PB for a half marathon is sixty two fifty one. Yeah, and Benny Saints, I think he had. So I think his legal half marathon is sixty three flat, and he's got an asterisk next to one. I think he did in New York, which was a sixty two fifty one as well. I think we'll ask him in ten minutes. Yeah, we'll bring that right up. Um, but it, it, yeah, sixty three oh nine he's got, and then sixty two fifty one New York. You're right, Chris. Mm. So that's kind of quality we're putting it up against here. But is the gap just the gap doesn't exist anymore? Like, is that is that it? Like she's just what the, what the gap between female and male is no like well it's it's narrowing it's narrow oh, a lot yeah 
Um, it, but what, it is, yeah. What was interesting as well was she looked so smooth the whole way, but she crossed the line and 30 seconds later she's into the gutter like vomiting. She did that um, when she broke the world record at Valencia on the track as well, remember? She made yeah. it look effortless and then just was like vomiting which, straight afterwards. Which is an amazing, like which shows how strong and how efficient she is that she can hold her form so well even though she's at that point of exhaustion. It's, yeah, it's incredible to watch. I, I couldn't, couldn't believe it. Well, she doesn't up. blow hard though, does she? Like she threw up at the end, sure, but she wasn't showing signs nah. of, of, of distress at any point in that run. But, she said, but I think it's because of how that she moves. She seems to just get so much back from the ground in terms yeah. of how, like, and so she's not, like, she's putting in effort, but she's ex- so economical. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's what it is. That's that's the difference maker, really, between her and, say, uh, well, let's just say the second place is still ran under 64 minutes. Um, well, she I mean, was... She was kind of the previous world record holder, but it didn't get ratified because the course she yeah. ran it on was short over the Yalamzerf Yulaw. She ran 63.51 for second. What about the girl in third? She's ran 64.54 and came third. Mm. Just like, that's incredible running. And then. Good course. Yeah, it must have been. Yeah. Well, they always run fast in Valencia, don't they? Did you see the comparison with the different, like what it stacks up to with the IAAF points table? That's a 13, 39, 5K, 28, 38, 10K in the 211, 17 marathon. But but after watching that, like, I, I, I've totally believed that so, she could do two so of those. Yeah. yeah. I just keep bringing she, back to those boys that can do, like, so she's pretty much ran a really similar time. I think we did this last time to, like, Andy Buchanan and Tom DeCano, and this is, like, a list of their PBs. Mm. Yeah. Well, Maybe not the 211 yet, but they've they had 28 mid guys and 13, 30 guys. Well, as I mentioned before, the standout for me was how she looked compared to a two pacemaker. So often in these races where males are pacing the top female, there's there's a difference in how they move and how they look, whereas she was basically on par with how her pacemakers were looking. And, you know, I'm sure that, like those guys are going to be – they're probably 61-minute half guys or 60-minute guys. Um, and if she's running that for the half, like you'd have to think that she, like she can break fourteen minutes for for five k. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she nearly has. What's her world record? Fourteen oh four three something like that. Yeah. So yeah, phenomenal running. Um, now we'll go to Tasmania. We'll go from Valencia down to Tasmania, fellas, to the Bernie ten k. I thought she would have won. She would have won this outright too, probably. <laughs> She would have won this outright for sure, I reckon. She probably would have won Launceston. Who won Launceston Half Marathon? Tommy DeCano? Uh, yeah, back in like July. Uh, wasn't... I didn't yeah. Brett? No, didn't that, Brett? Was, that was the was year that... before Brett. Because oh, okay. Melbourne couldn't go last year. Yeah. Anyway, so this was on. Really good stream of this too on Facebook. Hooked a bit windy down there. Um, big lead packed through... Well, Doug Hamelock. They put 500 bucks up for the first guy at the uh, 5K turnaround. So he went off the front, picked up his 500 bucks at 5K in about 14.45, I think it was. And the pack was probably closer to 15 minutes through 5K. Big pack. Isaac Hayne was there. Jack Bruce. Gregson Canala. Max Stevens. Nick Early was doing a good job to hang in there. James Hansen. Um, yeah, pretty kind of big male pack through there. Weren't sure who was going to win. And then Jack Bruce seemed to do a lot of the work on the way back, trying to shake guys off the back. Got it down to kind of Gregson and Isaac with probably a K, 1,500 metres to go. And then Gregson kind of dropped off as they were kind of going over a bridge, a bit of an overpass there. 
And then Jack was trying to put Isaac away and just couldn't. Isaac looked much messier than him. A bit all over the place trying to keep up with him in the last four or 500 metres. But tough as a nail, this kid went straight past him. Put maybe uh, two seconds into him in the last 50 metres. And wins again down in Tassie, the young fella. So he got, gets the Launceston 10k win in the same year as the Bernie 10k. Um, this was a... Like, obviously, no one from New South Wales or Victoria at this one, and no one from Victoria at Launceston, so took out a few key players, but still pretty good running for him, 29-24. Bruce was 29-26. Gregson, 29-33. Any comments there, guys? Five under 30 minutes. Probably a bit slower than previous years. Sounds yeah, a bit more tactical. I think mm. the weather always plays a part down there, too, because um, I think it's quite exposed. Um, yeah, so it's often a head headwind one way, and... Like a strong tailwind out or headwind back, one of the ways. But yeah, it's always it's always a bit hit and miss depending on the weather. Knows how to win him though, doesn't he? Remember when we interviewed him when he was like eighteen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had all the um all the tats Tatters, over him. Yeah, raising mm. money. Yeah, yeah. Good story. We bought him a pair of shoes, didn't we? We did. He, he yeah. needs to pay spikes, us back for that. Yeah, spikes. <laughs> yeah, he'd be cleaning yeah. up down there. He just won three grand in the weekend. <laughs> There we go. We should have bought shares in him then, fellas. We've been right. Could have had him in an inside running singlet instead of uh, Asics Team Tempo. I think, he, I think he might work in the um, running company there now in Adelaide, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Women's race was won by Caitlin Adams. She ran 32.31. Izzy Bat-Doyle was second, 32.54. Millie Clark, 33.02. I think Izzy and Caitlin, from what we could see from the footage, were pretty much running side by side up until maybe 7, 7.5K where Caitlin got the break. And then, um, yeah, ran a really solid last couple of Ks to really gap Izzy there. And then Millie looked like she was further back and nearly got Izzy in the end. There was kind of eight seconds separating those two. So another South Australian. I think I heard a stat, a South Australian person has never won the Bernie 10. And then this year they had the men's and females winner. So, um, yeah, another team tempo athlete. So Adam Diddick had a good week with Jess's 225 and then two wins at Bernie 10. Yeah, standout, big performance from Caitlin. I mean, this is a breakthrough, I reckon. Bernie Ten. If you look at the winners list of all time, there's no, there's no uh, pretenders in there, if that makes sense. Like yeah. sometimes you have a year where no one goes or whatever, and you, this like a name will pop up where you're like, oh, who's that? Um, but if you look at the winners list of Bernie, it's like Bells Beach, like surfing festival. They say no, no kook has ever won Bells Beach. Well, it's the same with Bernie is that um, it's it's full of class athletes. And I think, Caitlin, this is a, this is a breakout event for her. She's been um, coming though, Moose. Remember we spoke about her a few weeks ago. What, she run like a 1530 or something? Or something, didn't she? Remember? Yeah, yeah, but that's not a break. This is a performance on – people can do that at home. They can do it at park run, time trials, local events. But to do this on a big stage and to take scalps, that's a different story. Mm. Caitlin taking – And she would have went in the underdog, to, yeah, to take down someone exactly. who's just come back from the Olympics. Yeah. You'd, and and this you've is stayed a, home. Like, this is a little – This is a yeah, Flex, I reckon. Think, new big dog yeah, in South Australia. There's a, there's a new rivalry there, and, and I'm sure this – this will create even more of a rivalry after um, after Bernie with Caitlin taking Izzy down um, because I reckon you do come back from the Olympics with a bit of swagger and given you're coming back to a smaller state, oh, yeah. uh, you you come back a little bit more sort of... Chest, um, chest pumped, you reckon? 
I'm the I'm the king, the queen, whoever it is that comes back. If it's a little different when you come back into a maybe a, 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 a or something like that, <laughs> a, a group with where there's four other Olympians around. And so I think South Australia, like, is just so good. Even the the fact that that, well, that Jess did it the week before, though. Yeah, as Olympians, like they they what do you say that a high tide rises all boats or something mm, like that? Yeah, rises um, all ships. Yep. You're going to see that in in South Australia, yeah. especially if they can get around each other for more local cross countries or or local track races and do workouts together. Maybe more like I'm not sure what the dynamic is there, but to to have two of the best 10k runners in the country now. Well, I think we saw it when like a lot of Australia shut down and South Australia didn't. Remember they were having their cross country seasons and like little track races and things like that. And they were often pushing each other, like all those females. Yeah. Um, and now it's like 12 months on, they've all kind of gone to the next level. And yeah, as you said, it's hard to know uh, who's the big dog over there at the moment. So it's good good to do. Last bit of news. Do you want to talk about Rotterdam while I get Ben St. Lawrence on the phone? Yeah. Yeah. Watch Rotterdam, right? No, I didn't. Yeah, I watched it. Oh, you, you talk about it then. Well, well, it was an interesting race, actually. So the men, Bashir Abdi was probably the favorite considering his um what did he win silver at the olympics in the marathon yeah then he waved his training partner through didn't he yeah but he was and he's mo farah's training partner um or he was but he was he got dropped off the pack when there was a big bust up bloke wearing a kenyan shirt um i don't think we have the results in front of us sorry uh but he'd he'd taken off um, sorry, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he took off and he he sprinted. So he dropped a really strong, probably three k, and and Bashir Abdi got got really left behind, and he was in third place or fourth place even at that point. And as he came through a big, uh, like a big central area, and maybe it was like the urban area downtown Rotterdam, there's a lot of crowd around, and he started like warming the pies, you know, as he went through and giving the finger twirl and, and getting them all up and about. And you could just see like, oh, how this you got to love a bit of that, don't you? Just midway through a marathon, just getting the crowd involved and, and you knew that he had some left and the adrenaline surged. And all of a sudden he put his head down and he just started charging. He started taking people just like one by one by one. And then this, um, the taller Kenyan with, it, with the Kenyan singlet on was out front and he was just looking behind the whole time and he actually they formed a trio of three of them and and bashir he took off probably with about five six k to go and just dumped them and it was a pretty impressive run really he ran 203 35 which is a european record and and when you were watching you didn't realize it was that fast mainly because it's like they weren't putting splits up or anything so you didn't really know what was happening um but it just Every time you watch one of these marathons, they just look. Everyone looks like they're running really fast, so it's it's uh, it's hard to know exactly how fast. But two hundred three thirty-five footage was terrible. Saw the women for probably once or twice throughout the whole race. Uh, two twenty-two. That was one in. Was it by Sheila? Someone Sheila or Stella? Maybe. Um, um, yes, yeah, Stella Barrosio. Yeah, terrible footage. Didn't see anything. She won by eight minutes. Two thirty mm. was second. Oh wow! Yeah, two thirty at Rotterdam. Yep, two thirty twenty-eight, two thirty forty-one for third. 
had an Aussie in the race, though. We did. 13th, he was. Yeah, Reese Edwards, who has also run two... Well, he's run 2.13 before this, back in, well, off the top of my head, October last... No, would have been... Was this April? Year, it was, yeah, like last chance to sort of qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. It was the same race where I think Cam Levens qualified. Yeah, and it was a downhill one in, yeah. like you said, Poland. Poland or something, um, yeah. Still legit race, but it was downhill. And so he's run 213.23, which is a three-second PB. Uh, he was 13th overall. And so that's really good from, from Reese because if he starts accumulating a few of these races and shows that he's a consistent performer – then it will go a long way in that discretionary selection for the Com Games. Yeah. Mm. He's got to be looking good now. Um, so that was good to see him in action. Been overseas for a while now too, hasn't he? We don't see him back here on Australian soil very often. I suppose it's not easy to do at the moment, but it'd be good to see him come home. He was there at BWO when we ran Brady. Yeah, he moved, he moved over to the UK. Though, didn't he? he moved over there to work. So yeah, he's physio, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. That's right. I had a couple of beers with him moose that night. Yeah. Yeah, give him, and then he went. He came to Melbourne the same year and ran uh, 2019. What he run second place, maybe there. She'll get was him on for a chat. He'd be a good chat, good interview. Yeah, see what it's like yeah. over there. We'll chase that up in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, we have left left our phone a friend just hanging a bit there. I thought we were going to get to him much sooner than that, so he's probably listened to the last five minutes of that chat. But welcome to uh, a good friend of the show, been on the show a couple of times. I still don't think you've been on for the interview, Ben St. Lawrence, but we've had you on for pretty much everything else. The previous Australian record holder, joining us from Sydney, I think, or maybe in the Blue Mountains. What's going on, Benny? Yeah, thanks for having me on, fellas. Yeah, joining you from uh, the beautiful Blue Mountains here, about an hour and a half west of Sydney. Do you yeah. work for the tourism or something there? Yeah, well, we got a, a cabin here if you ever want to come and rent it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post the link in the show notes. Airbnb? No, just private now, just private. Oh. We can do that, though, if you want to. Um, no, <laughs> uh, Benny, you've been spending a bit of time there because Sydney's obviously been in lockdown and since, well, when was that, like late June, early July, and you've been spending some time in the mountains? Yeah, well, I, I actually caught up with Moose and Ellie up in uh, Queensland. That was sort of just prior to, you know, what we hoped was going to be the Gold Coast Marathon. I, when we saw the cases taking off here, I quickly got across the border before they shut it and was staying in a friend on uh, with a friend on the sunny coast, hoping to get that race in. And then uh, obviously that got cancelled and then quickly came home and we pretty much were in lockdown ever since until a couple of weeks ago. Um, so lucky to have moved to the Blue Mountains prior to lockdown. Um, we were allowed anywhere within this LGA, which is um, it's like a runner's paradise out here. So very lucky to be um, locked down out here, but uh, definitely missed getting back to Sydney to train with a group and race, you know, race in, uh, you know, track races and road races, that sort of thing. But it's, um, yeah, it's all coming together now. It looks like things are going to start taking off again. Yeah. And how'd you handle it? Like, yeah, like, I guess in Victoria, they kind of experienced those long lockdowns, but New South Wales had it pretty good last year. This was the first kind of the extended one. Yeah. Look at, at other than making, you know, coaching a, a, a big group in Sydney we had to change completely to online um, so a lot more phone calls and a, you know a lot more online stuff and really miss those um, group sessions but I certainly can't complain with how lockdown was for me you know I still still was able to work and had plenty of time to go running out here in the Blue Mountains so for me it wasn't too bad to be honest. We will link this in the show notes you wrote a really good piece on Strava just talking about like 
I guess the way we view running and what we use it for in our own, our own lives. Do you want to, it's probably a bit hard to paraphrase it all, but do you want to like summarise what that kind of post was about? Yeah, I think, um, I guess for me it was, I just personally wanted to try not doing all my runs with a GPS and loading to Strava. And so other than my sessions, I was pretty much just going out with just a stopwatch uh, on the trails out here. And I just felt that I was... Um, I was falling back in love with running and I was really looking forward to runs and I wasn't feeling the need to take, no offence guys, podcasts or uh, music or anything on any of my runs. And I, I really sort of wanted to encourage people to try it. And as a coach, I noticed that a lot of people were getting a little bit anxious with um, their running and putting a lot of expectations on it. And I think a lot of that was coming back to, you know, sharing all of their runs and taking technology on their runs. And so, yeah, I think it was, the post was just about my experiences and encouraging anyone who was having a bit of anxiety around their running rather than putting so much expectation on it. And, and, you know, when they weren't feeling like they were going to perform really well, they might not go for a run. I was encouraging people just to leave the technology at home, get out the door and actually use the run itself as a reward and something to look forward to. And yeah, it resonated with a few people um, and some people got in touch with me and, and yeah. So anyone listening, try the next run without taking the boys with you and uh, yeah, just run to a stopwatch, focus on your breathing, your surroundings, the rhythm of the run, the sound of your feet crunching on the ground. And uh, yeah, you might, discover that it's uh not something to be endured but something to be really enjoyed did it take a few days to like enjoy it again like was your mind kind of wandering a bit that first one or you walked straight into that oh yeah it probably took me a little while to to really get into that rhythm and breathing and just running to the terrain rather than sort of running to pace and that sort of thing but yeah and and i still do it you know i still take my watch with me for for anything where i think pace is important and otherwise i just run for duration and effort and it's been great yeah. Sound like a sound like a real trail runner, Benny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, t- what is it? Six foot track again? Uh, no, I mean I'll definitely do that at some point. But I, yeah, I'm still I'm still passionate about all types of running. So I'm going to race. My next race will probably be um, the New South Wales 10k champs on the track, and then a week later the Sydney Harbour 10k will be. You know, fingers crossed our first mass participation race and that's a awesome course in Sydney. Um, you go under the Harbour Bridge and finish near the Opera House. So, yeah, bit of track and road, but definitely more trail in my future as well. And I'd love to hit another couple of road marathons next year as well. What's on your bucket list, Benny, for, uh, for your next marathon? Um, I'm looking at potentially something like Seville or Sevilla in uh, late Feb next year. Um I'm pretty fit now and and have had a really consistent year. I think I've already run more kilometres this year than I did in the entire last year and the year before that. So if I can, yeah, stay healthy now and then start a marathon build-up healthy and fit. I've never started a marathon build-up while sort of already this fit. So it'll be exciting, hopefully, try and knock a couple of minutes off the PB. With the idea, Benny, of getting one of those singlets, like with World Champs and Con Games so close together, a few more opportunities than usual. Yeah, I mean, that'd be the goal, try and get down towards those times. But I guess it would see, have to see how uh, the marathon-specific build-up went. But, yeah, I definitely think if everything came together, I could possibly knock a few minutes off my PB. And then, like, with Athletics Australia not setting a time for the Com Games, like, would you be looking at maybe nailing a fast 10K and half in there somewhere as well? Like, do you reckon that could, like, play into your favour? Yeah. Um, I mean, the focus would be on just nailing the marathon. And I think if I did that well enough, then, you know, 
depending on what other people did, that'll be enough to get onto a team. But um, yeah, look, hopefully this next 10K goes quite well. And if there are half marathons popping up, I'll jump in and try to run fast. But yeah, it's, it's more about just nailing that marathon if I do do one. Hey, Benny, what do you think about your PB going down on the weekend um, to, oh, to the lady? The half marathon to, PB? Yeah. Good day last night in yeah, Valencia. Your official PB anyway, not the... Um, not the not the asterisks the one. one. with the asterisks. We've just been talking about you before we got onto this. You and Liam Adams are in a bit of trouble. Why is that? Both your PBs got rolled, didn't they? Was it just oh, rolled yeah. or you just missed? No, she got mine. I think mine was 62.51 from New York City, um, 2012. So, yeah, she uh, she rolled that. So, remarkable. I mean, was, she's a, yeah, she's an amazing mover. And, uh, yeah, if you're going to go down to a uh, – if you're going to get chicked, it's, uh, yeah, pretty um, – Pretty impressive that she's done it in the half marathon. But but Benny, you were the Australian record holder in the ten thousand meters, and yeah. that's and that half marathon ever too. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't seem real. It I don't yeah, know. You, did you believe it when you saw it? No, it's it's somewhat unbelievable, um, and I don't know what you know what might have uh, led to that. Who knows? Uh, combination of things, but yeah. If she got my 10k time, I'd be a little bit more worried. But oh yeah. <laughs> um, Benny, the scene in Sydney at the moment—it's been fun watching Strava light up every Saturday morning. Well, just last Saturday morning, when all the groups go back together and everyone's kind of testing their fitness and all those kind of things. But you must be pretty stoked with how uh, Tommy DeCano's going. I think he'll go into Melbourne Marathon if he runs it as a favourite. And what else? Like who else is flying up there? Give us a bit of intel. Oh, yeah, Tommy's flying. I uh, ran um, part of his long tempo on the weekend with him. Um, he did 15K at sub three-minute pace, and I ran with him for 40 minutes of that, and he he was running pretty smoothly. He's a super fit man at the moment, so really exciting to see what he can do in, uh, in Melbourne, and hopefully it all comes together and, yeah, get a good pack going at a fast pace down there and conditions are good. Um, but, yeah, Tommy's fit. Um, we had Kieran Tall running with us that morning. He's um, he's worked really hard through lockdown as well, and he's fit. A couple of the younger guys in run crew are sort of itching to race as well. I couldn't tell you much about other groups. Um, you know, we haven't really seen much of anyone else at the moment, but I think um, we'll know in a few weeks, you know, who's been working hard during lockdown and who's sort of been chilling because, yeah, we're going to get some good races up here. Hopefully we get a good pack um, in the state 10K and then that Sydney Harbour 10. I'm not sure about people from other states what uh what it'll be like trying to get in here but i think any anyone in sydney who's fit or in new south wales is um raring to go are you going to come up for anything brady i'm not sure yet doubtful i think i'll stay and just build for melbourne i'm going to run the marathon down there so it's not yeah seven weeks away so i'll probably just keep putting some weeks together here but yeah i know there's a few guys around here a couple guys in albury going to make the trip and stuff like that as well so and there's a 3k as well isn't there like athletics new south wales have kind of come out and got events going pretty quick. Yeah, so the New South Wales 3K, uh, November 13th. Croaks um, was going to do that, he said. Wanted to give eight, eight ten a shake. <laughs> yeah, awesome. We'll see you there, Croaks. <laughs> yeah, I'll be a lap short. <laughs> <laughs> Who's older out of you two? Uh, Croaks. I am. Oh, yeah. Just, isn't not, it? Not that, not that much. Yeah, not so far. You, when do you find a couple of weeks? Yeah, so just over a year, year and a bit. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That'd be pretty good, Benny, if you made a team at 40. Yeah, well, Scotty Westcott did it. Um, I think I might have to run a lot faster than he did to make that team. Mm. He ran 15 in uh, Berlin, I think, to make Rio. That's right. Uh, 
is well, it he, to, to he holds the he holds the Aussie over forties. Oh, does he have the over forties marathon record? Yeah, two fifteen, I think. Yeah, so you'll take that one down, I'm sure. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> Wouldn't say I'm sure, but we'll give it a good crack. Yeah, oh, it's pretty good. Fast Mon- I thought Mono was continuing well into his early forties running not, marathons. Not marathons though. He was still mm. competing. Like he made a world cross at forty one, but I don't think he was running marathons after that point. Right. Okay. I think Mono holds the forty plus ten k record at twenty eight. It's 20, 30-something, I think. Shit. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. That's yeah. on, that'd be on your – that'd be in your sights, though. Well, I mean, obviously, I, I've looked at what those records are more out of curiosity. Um, it wouldn't be my goal. My goal is to be competitive as an open athlete, and if, if I am, I think some of those records would fall. But, yeah, I don't want to start just – picking off 40-plus records, let alone 40-plus relay records. Yeah. If if you're picking off a 28.40, then it's still a pretty good pick-off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I ran 28.19. That's right. The night Stewie broke the record. So I feel fitter than I was then right now. So we'll see. So, Benny, you you could start state champs as favourite, the 10K on the track there at Bankstown, wouldn't you? Yeah. Who are you worried about? Oh, well, Kieran Tall is fit at the moment. Tommy, I think, is going to race as a bit of a tune-up for the marathon. So, obviously, he'd be coming in with heavy legs. And then I'm not sure about Ed Goddard. But, yeah, Kieran Kieran rolled me there last year or whenever that was. Yeah, he ran in the wet. 28.47, three seconds ahead of me. But, yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be trying to win. But, um, yeah, we'll see. That's good. That's good. Have you been reading any book, good books lately, Benny? Um, oh, I read that one that you recommended, Out of Thin Air. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, and it was good because at the time I was rolling around pretty slowly on some technical trails up here and it made me feel better mm. knowing that they were doing the same thing in Ethiopia. Um, that was a good one. Oh, I'm reading one at the moment. It's called North. It's uh, the story of Scott Jurek running the Appalachian Trail record Um Oh, this is right up your alley, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah, so that sounds um, sounds pretty tough. It's definitely not anything I'll be looking to do in the near future. But, yeah, other than that, not a whole lot of books. Yeah, and we saw your uh, face pop up as a Pillar Performance Ambassador last week as well. They sponsored the show a few weeks ago as well, so they were kind of very supportive to us. We've been testing out some of their supplements and products, and what have you been thinking about it? Pretty happy with yeah, that partnership? I- yeah, oh, it's awesome. I've signed up as an ambassador with them. And um, similar to you guys, I got sent some products a little while ago to test it out and, and make sure I liked it. And yeah, really loved it. Um, feel that it's sort of really beneficial for runners and endurance athletes, a lot of the micronutrition stuff. Um, I've always been a firm believer that we should just get most of what we require from a, a good balanced diet, but that you can tick a few sort of 0.1 percenters by um, supplementing. And this stuff is all like um, TGA listed sort of banned substance tested um, clinical grade uh, micronutrition stuff. And yeah, just a cool Aussie brand as well. And they're really coming out and supporting athletes rather than influencers. And uh, I kind of like that as well. And I chatted to the the owner and the, the nutritionist on the team there and, and yeah, Pretty excited to work with them and they're they're yeah willing to get behind runners and endurance athletes so i think it's good to support them as well yeah if you're rocking up and fit and winning race and stuff it's looking good for them as well i reckon yeah that's like you going all right 
Hey, yeah. uh, the haircut as well. This is the last one from me. Like, is that a bit of a lockdown grow out? Are you going to get that cut shortly or are you going to stick with it? I'm surprised you asked me about that. I thought Moose would give me shit about that. I'm not giving I shit. I'm just asking. I, I think I blocked you on social media so I can't see. <laughs> uh, yeah. After all the hippie stuff. I'll just keep sending you selfies. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's not like I've decided to grow it this long. I just haven't got it cut. But now, I don't know. Um, Croaks, how old were you when you decided to grow your hair long? <laughs> Maybe it's um, a 40-year-old thing. Yeah. No, I was, it was before I was 40. I was... um. Just before I turned 39, I grew it, and I haven't had a haircut since. This is screaming midlife crisis, boys, both of you. Look, I'm not going to deny that. I think that's what it might be. Um, I kind of had to have a respectable haircut for a little while while I was working in the corporate scene and that sort of thing. And at the moment, I don't have to look respectable for anything, so maybe I'm just making the most of that. Yeah. Actually, Keep got, it, Benny. I've got one more for you, Benny. When, when COVID hit and lockdown happened and now we've missed so many races – which one are you most looking forward to getting back to do? Which one did you miss the most? Look, it's it's not something I missed, but something that has been postponed a couple of times. If if we get World Cross Country in Bathurst, that's something that I've really looked forward to ever since they announced it, and I just hope it happens. Um, it's been postponed again, and you know whether I am able to make that team or not. I just think it'd be such a cool thing to happen here in Australia. And for me, I, I lived for five years in Bathurst and uh, I just think it'd be such a cool thing for running in Australia and, and in this community. So I hope it happens. Yeah, yeah, good answer. Hope it does as well. Put it back another year now too, haven't they? 2023? Yeah. 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 Hopefully all those guys on the organising committee have already put in the hard work and yeah, it'd be great to see it happen. That'd Any more awesome. questions for the great man, fellas? Um, no, just good luck for the upcoming season. Thanks, fellas. We'll see you yep. at the three. Croaks will be there. Look for, yep. <laughs> good, good, good luck, Ben. Thanks, guys. Always Thank fun, you. Benny. Thanks. Oh, Brad has just sent us an old photo of you with long hair as well while we're talking here. So I don't know where he's pulled that from, but I reckon you're Interesting about, necklace. Right? It was, uh, I reckon I was, about I'm, 30 I'm, kilograms heavier than you are now as well. I'm guessing, <laughs> it, was, I'm guessing it was uni days, Benny. Yeah, I don't know which one you're referring to, but I don't think my hair's been this long since I was about 30 kilos heavier. So. <laughs> Eyes are a bit Yeah, that'd be well about right, one, I, I reckon. A few beers deep. Drink Boys, responsibly. Get a load of, get a load of the uh, little necklace thing on him. <laughs> <laughs> Looks good. This could, be our pro- this could be our promo for the week. <laughs> yeah, throw it up. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Benny, and always uh, obviously generous with your time for the Inside Running Podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, See you, Benny. Agent. See you. All right, Croaks, inside uh, inside running. Uh, listener question. All right, let me just scroll down. Comes in from Ben, uh, this, ben Morrison, this one comes yeah, in from. Ben Morrison has written, uh, I've been chasing a 5K PB for over a year now and it's living in my head rent-free. I've been on pace in recent attempts, but my head gets the better of me. Any tips on not just physically but mentally preparing for a 5K PB attempt? Good question. Yeah. Good, great question. So, so uh, what about we do? So, any tips? So, I'll give one tip: is next time he goes out, take the take the watch off. So, or if you want to keep a record of it, have it just on watch face and don't look at it, because if it's in his head and he doesn't un- know where he's actually at in terms of pace, then he can use his own. Uh, feedback to work that out rather than having the watch tell him you're in front you're behind you're starting to struggle you've got this long left or whatever um, you can just 
you just take all that away and just use feel to determine whether you need to speed up or slow down. A bit like what Jess was saying in her interview, Moose, where she didn't even look at the halfway speed because yeah. she didn't want it in her head because it was going to it was going to affect her in some some way and it was probably not going to be positive. Exactly. Oh, that's love where that's she said the that. right yeah. yeah. She yeah. pretty much said, Well, yeah, you'll hear it in the interview, but she said if I looked at it and it was a fast time, she in her head she'd say, Oh, maybe I'm gonna blow up here and if she looked at it and saw a slower time, she then got negative because it wasn't fast enough. Like it was yeah. a lose lose situation for her to look at the time. And that might be a thing here, Ben, like don't even look at any times so you don't get any feedback. So then you could just concentrate on running hard and not have yep. thoughts in your head. Yep. Nailed um, it, boys. Next one. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a bit. I was going to say, like, maybe look at the factors which make it a bit easier. Like, don't go out and attempt a 5K attempt if it's going to be poor weather or windy or, you know, try and find the flattest possible course. Like, maybe not GPS. Um, obviously, don't go for GPS dodgy courses, but just try to get everything in your favour before you actually make this attempt. So then it is going to be easier mentally because you're mm. a big, bigger chance of hitting it like don't stitch yourself up um yep. and then yeah i think and then when things get tough don't go thinking about splits and i just sometimes like count to 10 like count to 10 when i get to 10 start at one again because if my brain's doing that i can't think about other stuff um or pick out things in front of me like a, a signpost two or three hundred meters ahead and just stare at it and just think about Sometimes I'll see like a 60 or an 80 sign. I just start like doing different maths, like how many numbers can I add together to get to 80? And then like, yeah, before I know it, I'm at that pole and I haven't thought about what the split's going to be. Yeah, so, I think also psychologically, like I find often when things get in your head and you start to like not give up but go backwards, you got to – and this I know this happens to Moose a lot. Like it, it, it needs to mean a lot – it, need, it needs to mean a lot to you if things don't mean much to you, then it's easier just to let it go in the back end. So make sure you know it's something that you really want to achieve. Um, and also don't, I know some people go out, because 5K is a distance you can do quite regularly. Don't like constantly chase it. Like, yeah. you know, have, have a couple attempts. If you don't get it, just go back and train and look at, all right, well, what do I have to do differently so that I'm going to get through 3K in a, in a much more comfortable position? Um, and then, you know, that way, next time you do it, hopefully you'll, you'll get to 4K before the head starts to, you know, play tricks on you. And then you've only got, you know, two and a half laps to go, or, you know, a K to go. So, um, yeah, so yeah. that's that's my advice. Um, yeah, in terms of in terms of um, racing, like a, a bit of a tune-up, like go out, and, go out and run a really hard 3K in the lead up to a 5K just to – just so then the pace feels a little bit more comfortable through 3K as well. So, you know, I think a 3K tune-up before a 5K is often a good thing to do. Yeah, I like the point about not doing it too often because that is yeah. that kind of, um, and obviously we don't know much about Ben, but that football mentality where you might go out and try 5K PB every single Saturday at Parkrun. Yeah. Um, you know, take four or five weeks to train towards it and then circle one on the calendar in five weeks' time and go, that's the one I'm really going to have a crack and then, because if you've failed five weeks every Saturday for five weeks leading into it, your head's going to be playing all sorts of tricks on you. Well, that's it. The more times you attempt it in such a short period of time, the more your head's going to play with you. So. That book, um, How Bad Do You Want It? Matt Fitzgerald, isn't yep. it? That's a good, I good like one. that book. Yeah, it talks about different strategies about the mind and endurance athletes. So, but, um, but often as well, I think, you know, the mind starts to play tricks with you when it starts to get really, really hard. So you also got to look at, all right, am I pacing this correctly? 
um, yeah, and running it the smartest way possible. And are you fit enough to attempt that 5K PB attempt? Like, have you got indications in your training leading in that, you, that you're ready to have a go at it? Or do you need to put a few more weeks together and train them? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Ben, for the question. Moose on the loose, purchase of the week. Uh, I did buy something this week. I'm using yeah. it right now. I know what it is. Oh, I thought you were buying You told us on Friday, didn't It wasn't on air. Oh, the paddleboard? Oh, I haven't no, bought it yet. The cross trainer, wasn't it? Oh, the elliptical. Oh. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> um, yeah, so the elliptical, after hearing the Jess Denton, I think they will, sales will go up. <laughs> sales will go up of the ellipticals for sure. Um, not sure that I'm motivated enough quite yet to get on the elliptical, but I reckon if you were injured and you, like, you were leading up to a race, then chuck one in the garage. Have you bought one? No, I haven't bought oh. one, but... Because Carly um, listened to the Jess interview and then she was out walking and then come home and said, how many weeks do you reckon it will be until Moose gets an elliptical for his <laughs> I go, no, nah, yeah. it's already got a treadmill. I don't think you fit an elliptical in there as well. But oh, Moose, off air, you yeah, said you were buying one. Well, I might have a look at them. <laughs> and that, that often translates to immediate purchase. <laughs> no, but I got this thing. It's called, the, um, it's called a ProTech AccuBack. So it's like, it's a, um, <laughs> I, do, I buy a lot of stuff for my back. So it's called the Doc, Dr. Cohen's AccuBack heatable. It's like, you know, those massive back ball things with like, that are like two tennis balls mm-hmm. taped together. Well, this is like a rubber massage ball with heaps of spiky areas, but you put it in a microwave and, um, and then you, it heats up. And so you can roll on it, but it's warm. Uh, yep. How much did it cost most? I don't even know. I got oh. it from one of our distributors, so okay. I just chucked it on an order of like Coros, uh, the same Coros guys who distribute Coros. They um, they 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 do these, so I grabbed one. Very good. Uh, what's coming up, fellas? Between now and next week, give me something, Crooks. What are you doing? Long weekend where you are? Uh, no, it's not. Is it? Okay. What what Mel- long weekend? Yeah, Cup long weekend. We have. Oh children. no, we don't. We don't get one of those. No, so no no long weekend. Surprised um, about that up in Canberra, actually. Yeah. No, not too much. Bit of, hopefully a full week training, two sessions, long run, midweek long run. Uh, actually, going to tee up a bit of a, a group long run on Sunday around Lake Burley Griffin. So that'll be fun. Mm, good. Quick one? Nah, no. Nah, it'll be a slow one. Moose, what do you got coming up? Back to work. Back to work for me, uh, nothing special. So just get through it. Grow a child. Grow one. Yep, keep growing. They grow pretty quick. But you, Brady, what's, what's, the, uh, meaty, what's oh, the meaty workout? I don't know, actually. Let me tell you. Give me your thoughts on it. Um, let me open it up while, now. While you bring that up, I found it quite interesting when Benny was talking about how, you know, you just sort of went off, you know, Strava and – I reckon for you, Brady, it'd be the opposite. If you went off Strava, you get more anxious because you weren't getting the kudos for your big sessions. I don't get, I don't get many comments these days, though. Thanks to the people that reached out to me about the cat dying, though. That was good, but not like not, back in the day. You've made this point before, Moose. You used to get heaps of comments when you banged good workouts, mm. but nothing these days. You know what gets yeah. them though? A people on Strava don't have enough respect for speed work, track work. They, they what they love is the guy that goes out and punches. 42k long runs at like 410 pace when they probably shouldn't even be doing that that's what they love 
but you can go out there and do 28k pretty decent but nah it's not big enough you're genuinely dirty that you're not getting the comments <laughs> i'm not dirty i'm just like oh geez i thought i would have got a cup the only one comment i got was from patty stowe about how many Actually, I've, never, I've never given you kudos yet here you go mate i'll give you there you go i've got giving you kudos for your 28k at 95 percent yeah uh this week i've got uh progression run 7k at 330s 7k at 320s 7k at 312s now i've got Why two, wor- got two workouts in here how do you work that out i've got no nah, i've got that many workouts in here i've got another option as well 15k easy 10k at 330 5k at 325 5k at 320 2 by 2k at 315 with 1k that's not a between. workout that's that's, that's a long run that's from you that one that's a that's a, that's what a midweek no, no, not midweek. This is next Sunday. Oh, yeah, okay. I was going to do some 1K reps on Wednesday, but I did them like last week. But this is kind of like, yeah, this program's like mine and Nathan put together, but then I get sick and miss a workout, or he did that good strong 10K and Bendigo, and I didn't do that. So it's kind of like a bit messy. Might send it to you two fellas, get your expert eyes over it. I don't reckon, I don't reckon do this one where you're doing like... 7k at yeah i don't know why that's in there because it's not very neat, is 7k at 712s yeah i don't but, know why that's in there because i've got one in there in black and one in there in red then the next week's mile one mile float that's from clousy the clousy special but anyway you'll hear about it i love it's a bit of a bit of a bits a bits and bobs program mixed bag with special spice croaks that's what i like it just thrilled just got to keep it loose so you don't want to be too locked in you just want to have a bit of flexibility especially when gastro just wipes you out for 24 hours in the middle of the week um tell us about the interview fellas you guys had a big day friday talking to jessica stenson uh yeah so we started off sort of just recapping the last six months because last time we spoke to her on the show was in the lead up to that um, Athletics Australia Marathon at the Penrith Rowing Centre. Um, so we re- recapped that because she obviously got injured and couldn't run and then she was meant to run Gold Coast. Um, and then, yeah, basically spoke about Perth um, and then what sort of come, what she plans on doing next year. Some good takeaways, some really oh, good takeaways. Yeah, like that was the thing that I got from it was just that so many people get hung up on that if you're a marathoner and you want to run a good marathon, there's only one way to do it. And it's like running lots and lots and lots and doing big marathon specific sessions. And um, yeah, like there's no doubt she trains hard, but it was very different to your standard marathon prep. One thing, the big one I got out of it is she makes it look easy and you see her results look so good. And you think people like Jess Stenson don't go through bad patches. And she spoke about how she went through a bad patch at this one and Melbourne Marathon when she won that in 2015. And you wouldn't have known that unless you, unless she spoke about it. Mm. Like it's, yeah, it's a real. I think the mental, yeah, I also think the mental, the mental side of her running is so strong. Like she can reframe things where most people will look at the negatives. She often looks at the positives, um, which is a, which is a big thing when it comes to marathon running and racing. Anyway, let's get to it. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week, boys. See ya. See ya.
This week's guest is a two-time Olympian and has two Commonwealth Games bronze medals. She recently became the fourth fastest Australian female marathoner of all time when she ran 2.25.13 in Perth. This also happened to be the fastest time by an Aussie on Australian soil. Welcome back to the Inside Running Podcast, Jessica Stenson. Thanks for having me. Uh, firstly, congratulations on a, on a phenomenal run. You're well and truly back. Thank you. Yeah, that was a um, really cool experience. Um, Perth's a, a good city and just um, they've got a really tight-knit uh, running community. So I, I loved it. It yeah. was good to be back out there. And I'm also joined uh, by Moose this afternoon. How are you, Moose? Good, thanks, Jess. And just hearing that made me think it's a very uh, – it's a pretty incredible result considering we've had multiple Olympics in Australia, multiple Com Games. Like there's been a, a high level of running here in the past. So to be the – fastest Aussie on Australian soil like that's that's a pretty big deal uh thank you <laughs> so what I thought we might do before we go into the Perth race is just unpack the last six months because a, a lot's happened like the last time we spoke to you was the end of March in the lead up to the AA marathon that was being held at um the Penrith uh, Regatta Center uh rowing center mm-hmm. um so obviously you didn't run there can you let the listeners know what what happened in the lead up to that race yeah, sure. I was, um, yeah, I was, I was looking forward to that race because that was, I guess, a whole um, year and a half since giving birth and I'd been, um, yeah, training really hard and it was only two weeks before the race, I think, um, shortly after the Hobart Run the Bridge 10K event um, that I started getting quad pain and um, I pretty quickly realised it was more than just um, quad muscle pain and, um yeah, had an MRI, which showed that I had a bit of an unusual um, femoral bone stress injury. And it was a bit of a shock because I, um, I'd known the, um, the risks of training when breastfeeding and that I was in an elevated, um, you know, risk of getting a bone injury then because of the um, lower estrogen and just the added stress to the body when you're, you know, breastfeeding and training and, um, you know, burning a lot of energy. Um, so at that stage I'd, I'd finished up and I sort of, I thought I was in the clear and, um, had managed to navigate that year without getting a bone injury. And then I've, um, yeah, gone and done that. So missed out on the Penrith race and, um, was pretty disappointed, uh, but, um, quickly refocused and tried to get myself ready for the Gold Coast Marathon. And it was going to be a pretty tight turnaround, but at that stage, Melbourne Marathon seemed like such a you know, a long time into the future. So I um, was, yeah, hanging out for that Gold Coast race and like everyone um, sort of did that final session on the Tuesday and thought, yep, it's looking like it will still go ahead. And then, bam, um, (laughs) we all found out that it had been cancelled. But I wasn't in Queensland yet, so it didn't affect me as much as it did some others. What what was the... um, Like the the tight turnaround after a bone stress injury, like what was the reason for trying to get one in um, or, or, or get back, like make take some risks for Gold Coast? Yeah, I was trying to get back into shape in the safest way possible. So um, it was a tight turnaround and we probably weren't um, taking too many risks in training. It was more um, the risk that I wouldn't be ready for the race um, and in my best shape. So I incorporated a lot of elliptical training, which is something that I – became really familiar with during pregnancy. I used the elliptical a lot and um, we ended up actually purchasing one um, to have at home. So that's been very handy. Um, I, 
yeah, I I trained in a different way and I was willing to take a risk because um, there wasn't really much, you know, um, pending on that result on the Gold Coast. I had my whole team going up there. They were either racing the, the 10K or the half and I just thought it would be really, you know, fun weekend away and I had special memories from the Gold Coast from 2018. So I guess I I took the risk thinking if, if things just aren't going well and I'm going to put my um, body um, at, at risk of further damage, I I can just pull the pin. Um, and that experience actually really helped me in preparation for the Perth Marathon because I ended up sustaining another bony injury. It was only very mild, but in my sacrum in mid-August, and I thought, far out. <laughs> like, um, again, there aren't many race opportunities. Um, at that stage, I'd really sort of set my sights on Perth and Adam said, look, I, I don't want to um, put you at risk here. I, I, I don't feel comfortable, you know, writing a marathon program for you um, for Perth. And I sort of said, well, can we just take each week at a time and, um, oh, you know, follow a similar approach to what I did for the Gold Coast. And um, if it's not looking like it's um, – if you don't feel comfortable closer to the race, um, I'm happy to just call it as a 30-kilometre time trial and we can refocus and look towards Melbourne in December. Um but I didn't want to throw all of my eggs in the Melbourne basket and then risk it not happening or risk um, it going ahead. But I'd have to quarantine for two weeks on return, which would um, be which happened to Christmas time. So, yeah, a few decisions to be made. But if I hadn't had that experience of preparing for Gold Coast after an injury, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to to do it again um, in the recent mm. instance. So, guess how would you say your fitness compared? like in the week before Gold Coast compared to the week before Perth? Would it be confident you would have run something similar on the Gold Coast? It's hard to know because I, I'm i a big believer in that like every marathon prep kind of builds another layer. So I kind of see that um, preparation for Gold Coast as being another layer that helped me for this mm. one. Um, I also had a different mindset going into this race. It was, um, you know, just another few added months of – of not having the opportunity to race. So I was just so happy to be there. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how I would have gone on the Gold Coast. I probably would have felt a little bit more pressure there than I did for this Perth race. Yeah. When did the idea for the Perth race pop up? Like was it something that you – like not a lot of people look at Perth and think, yeah, I really want to do that. Like that's that's a bucket list race. <laughs> yeah. Um, I first became aware of it when Sean Crichton had a crack at the um, the age group record in uh, that must have been 2019 because he ran in Toronto with me in October of 2018. So that's when I'd first heard of it. Oh, actually, no, that's a lie. I went over there in 2017 um, as an ambassador for their event with Steve Monaghetti and we ran the um, the relay they had there. So ran half a half marathon each. Um, and then Sean did it and then um, I was in Perth visiting Dylan's family over there, would have been mid-year and um, I think it was August or September and um, ran with a group at their um, Joondalup um, loop and um, he just said to me, oh, look, if Melbourne falls through later in the year, remember there's always the um, Perth Marathon here a week later. And so I actually then went and looked up the Perth Marathon and found out a few details and um, when Melbourne was looking less likely, um, my first, my, I guess, ultimate was to get into an overseas race 
but I was having a tough time getting into any um, elite races or any of the majors, I think, because I hadn't posted a time in so long. And so I was sort of, you know, excitedly emailing um, my agent, but he just kept coming back saying, look, I'm really sorry. I think they've had to narrow their fields or they've got, a, yeah, um, challenges this year because of all of the paperwork associated with getting international athletes in. So when I couldn't get into sort of Chicago and and some of those um, bigger races, um, I, yeah, just started, I guess, sussing out Perth and emailed the race director and he was fantastic actually. He um, gave me as much detail as he could about the um, the course and said our main issue in Perth is it's a, a windy city, but we were so fortunate last weekend it really wasn't too windy at all. So I think that helped a lot. Hey, um, yeah. before we get into the Perth race, so back to the injury that you had in April. So not running Penrith, the Penrith race meant that you obviously no hope then of making the Olympics. Um, mm. What was it like watching the Olympics from home knowing that you'd been at the last two? Yeah, it was actually a really cool experience to um, see the Olympics from a different perspective. I mean, I'd always been obsessed with the Olympics as a young kid and then um, since the age of 21 I hadn't sort of been at home for an Olympics. So to see it and to see how much, um, you know, the South Australians and the Australians got around it, I was just so fired up and excited. Um, It was a really cool two weeks and um, as much as I would have, love to have been out there competing I you know we had an amazing team and um it was just fun following their kind of um progress to the start line and then and watching them on race day I I felt I don't know at peace with it all and um it just if anything just gave me the hunger to try and make another team one day because yeah it's it's a pretty um cool feeling when you can't even stay seated like you're just up and um, mm. jumping around when I don't know Jess Fox and mm. different athletes were competing I um, got very emotionally invested <laughs> the uh, the women's marathon field like we all know it's so deep and strong right now and even in London watching Eloise run 229 um, just adds another another uh, person in the mix um, did that fire you up just watching Sinead run 10th and sort of Ali come through the field and same with Lisa like did that spark a bit of fire for for what you can do still in your career definitely got me excited um seeing Sinead in the Olympics I mean um we'd uh raced together in 2020 uh 2017 at the London um world champs and um that was a really cool experience um she's a legend Sinead and um yeah to see her finished like placed so highly in the field and Ellie and um Lisa obviously had um really strong runs as well so I kind of really felt that national pride and just craved that I was actually chatting to someone um on the weekend about it how when you run the marathon at the Olympics it's not just everyone for themselves you really feel like you are a part of a team and it's pretty special to line up um knowing that the three of you are out there to kind of conquer the distance together as well as compete. And um, I definitely, yeah, craved that feeling again. And then seeing Elsie and um, Sinead and Charlotte together out there at the London Marathon, that's another event that I love. So it definitely just um, gave me very itchy feet and um, it makes you believe and dream big, I guess, when you see people, you know, just, um, killing it really. <laughs> Sinead's yeah. just, um, 
yeah, keeps raising the bar and it is very motivating. Just before we get into the Perth race, so after Gold Coast, so you would have obviously prepared to run a marathon at the Gold Coast. What did training look like and like straight after that? Because I'd imagine you'd you know have a bit of a bit of downtime or just back things off a little bit, even though you hadn't raced. What, what did that look mm-hmm. like before you then started to prepare for for Perth? Yeah, so I actually um, treated it as though I had raced because I was sort of in my taper week. I thought, well, I might as well just have a recovery um, week here, and I ended up targeting a, a park run instead um so that was my little kind of reward for the training and um and went and did that and it still gave me a bit of an adrenaline rush to have that race kind of feel um so yeah sorry the the weekend that the marathon was cancelled I did the park run and then I had a recovery after the park run even though it was a 5k not a 42 (laughs) um 0.2 kilometer race but um I think through August um September I was probably doing more 10K half marathon style training. Um, And then in August, I was planning to really um, ramp things up in that sort of 12 weeks leading into the the Perth marathon. And that's when I um, first started noticing this um, sharp pain in my left um, SIJ, sacroiliac joint. Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't waste any time. I went straight to the sports doctor and said that this doesn't feel right. Um, You know, I'll always give an injury a chance I'll try running the next day and you'll sort of find out if it was just a niggle or something more serious and um so once we got the result it was basically straight into two weeks of of rest or no running I kept cross training and then that's when Adam um sort of put together a program that wasn't unlike my program for the um Gold Coast Marathon, which involved a lot of elliptical. So rather than run for over two hours, um, he'd give me, say, a a one and a half hour run and then jump straight on the elliptical for um, an hour plus. And um, I was just doing my key sessions and then I'd do an elliptical session rather than a double run and just slowly increase the mileage, which probably peaked, I think, two weeks out from the marathon and um and then yeah just a, a short taper the uh adam actually sent through your program yeah, for us be, to have a been, look at it's been leaked oh, okay <laughs> yeah so like we had a quick squeeze because we only got it an hour or so ago but yeah like the the standout thing for me was that it, i didn't see any workouts that were faster than threshold pace um mm. Normally you would see like, I don't know, some 10K stuff or some faster workouts, some hill repeats, those kind of things. Was that an injury? Was that related to your injury or was that is that sort of a bit of a philosophical change in how you approach marathon training? I think it was probably to get um, as much bang for our buck as we could. So Adam didn't want to, um, you know, waste too many sessions on um, them being short. So I guess if we'd thrown in some 400 reps um that's just an opportunity kind of missed when we had so few um sessions to to fit in before the marathon I think he thought we'd just try and make them as specific to the event without risking injury as possible so um I can't exactly remember it but I think it started with some 2k reps and then the following Tuesday went to you know three by three k's and then it went three by four k's the following Tuesday and then three by five k so that was sort of just my key session for the week 
And usually in a marathon lead up, I'd um, they'd be all sort of at marathon pace. But Adam said to put a little bit more stress through your legs um, to prepare you for the race. I want you to run a bit faster than marathon pace. So we were aiming for more around that 320 to 25 mark, um, which I think helped me on race day. I, I felt like marathon pace was a little bit more comfortable than it usually would be because I'd done some of those longer reps a bit quicker than marathon pace. Um, but yeah, um, usually in a marathon lead up, I'd have, you know, some deeps quarters and, and things like that in there, um, at a pace that's, um, a bit quicker than threshold. Mm. So I don't know, this, this prep was very unique and it will probably, um, yeah, um, challenge future marathon preps. We'll, we'll probably incorporate, um, a little bit more cross training and, um, you know, take on some some lessons from the recent <laughs> prep yeah it looks you know, like you here, have to, don't yeah, you? it looks like your maximum kilometers of running was at 135 as you said like a couple of weeks out but you also had about four hours of four hours of cross training yeah and something else i did and i don't know if this helped or not but i thought i'd try and do everything i possibly could you know i wasn't getting as much running in as i would have liked so i was trying to um yeah I guess, um, do all of the other one percenters. I did two to three, um, sauna sessions per week. So I'd, um, finish in the gym and I'd just sit in the sauna for 15 minutes. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if that made a difference, but certainly there was a lot of cross training in there and that can be really tough mentally. So on race day, I think my mental fatigue and that sort of boredom kicked in a lot later because I've, um, become quite used to sitting on a cross trainer for a long period of time. Um, I do listen to podcasts though. Um, that helps. Uh, but yeah, um, the other benefit I think of the elliptical is it strengthens up your posterior chain. I find I really drive through my glutes when I'm on the, the elliptical trainer and, and perhaps that, um, had some, some benefits too. And is it, is it high intensity on the elliptical or just sort of steady state aerobic sort of running or elliptical running? So my sort of double runs um i have like a pre-programmed session i can do on our elliptical at home so it just um, has alternating resistance so for that i do um you know it, it fluctuates a little bit the resistance but i don't sort of leave those sessions feeling exhausted um just it's probably a similar feel to after a 40 minute jog um but when i have a a key session. So for example, when I wasn't running at all and I was um, cross training for two weeks, I really um, worked hard on the ellipticals um, on those days. So I'd set myself like a four minute, um, four by one minute, three minute, three by one minute, two minute, two by one minute, one minute, one minute, um, doing sort of 70 minute sessions that would have still my 20 minutes of warm up, but then I'd really work hard in the session phase. Jess, have you ever tried elliptical? Elliptic, how do you call it? Elliptigoing. Oh, well, elliptigo, <laughs> yes. Um, but I had a theory when I went on the elliptical that if you don't hold on to the arm things and do the swing, you actually swim like you're running. It's more specific. <laughs> what do you reckon? I, I agree. And I'm, I do that at home on ours sometimes, but I'm a bit too embarrassed to do it in the gym. <laughs> I know I shouldn't care what other people think, but <laughs> I haven't been brave enough. Just but your Aussie you kid. They won't, they won't <laughs> laugh. The um, elliptic go, um, Susan Crummins, when I was over in um, Hilversum, 
in 2018, she um, would cruise around on one of those and that would be cool. Adelaide's actually probably not a bad city for using those either because we've got the river path you could get onto, but you, you don't see anyone using them here. So No, well, if you're worried about getting laughed at in the gym, <laughs> that's a whole other level of getting laughed at. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Maybe in Europe you can get away with it. Yeah. Um, Moose, have you got any more questions about pre-Perth or should we get into the, the Perth race? I want to hear, yeah, I want to hear about Perth. Like that's... Yes, so I guess this is your first marathon in three years. Um, what were your expectations going in, especially given, you know, it, it, it's not an ideal prep? Yeah, I... Um... I felt like earlier this year I was in PB shape and then sort of I had those two bone injuries and wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, I guess that's, you know, the benefit of going into this race. I really felt like there was nothing to lose. So I I didn't really have um, an outcome or a a set time in mind. I I really hoped that I might be able to run a PB and um, part of me, doubted myself at times and thought, should I just, you know, go out more conservatively and, um, you know, see what I could do in the second half. But that's just not how I get my best result. I'm I'm much better to just try and go out at an even pace. And, you know, Dylan kept sort of reassuring me he's a good positive voice to have at home. And, and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, you fit, you'll be fine. And um, so spoke to Adam only a couple of well, it was probably the day before the race. So I flew over to Perth on the Thursday um, thinking initially that I'd get into the Perth time zone because it's um, two and a half hours um, different to SA. And then Adam said to me, no, no, just stay in the local time zone. So anyway, I got over there nice and early and was um, it was good. I got a couple of solid nights of sleep without um, toddler wake-ups. Adam and Clarkie flew in um, on the uh, morning of the Saturday and it wasn't until then that we actually spoke about the race plan. And Adam said, um, you know, for this entire build-up, we've had a real um, process focus rather than outcome focus because we have been taking one week at a time. I want you to just go out there and try to sustain 3.25 to 3.30 um, pace. He said, whether you're on the lower end or the upper end, it, it doesn't matter, but I want you to feel really comfortable in the first 15 kilometres. And it's at that point you can choose to, you know, start pushing it a bit more or um, just, yeah, cruise at 3.30s if that's if that's what you're feeling on the day. And um, so Clarky Matt Clark, who was there to help me with the pace, he was in with that plan as well. And, um, yeah, when the gun fired, um, that's, that was sort of the focus, just get into a rhythm somewhere in that, in that zone. And the first kilometre was actually 3.22, I think, Clarky called out and I said, yeah, that's all right. Um, I just sort of, I think, you know, the excitement of the race um, got me and then we we hit a bit of a hill up to a bridge and it corrected itself out. And I think from that point onwards, they were fairly consistent until we, yeah, hit a bit of a breeze later on in the race. So how do you, because you said Clarky paced you to, what, was it 28K or 30K? So he ended up, um, 30K was at the start of a bridge um, where there was a bit of an incline and then a, a decline. So he ended up going over the bridge with me and um, uh, pulled off at 32Ks in the end. 32, cool, yeah. Like normally a pacemaker will have a pace to hit, but it sounds like you've got more of a feel that you were working off. Yeah. How do you, how do you, 
how does he that must be hard for him to pace you to your field yeah I guess if um I was coming up um on his back he sort of well he he said to me the day beforehand like please don't try and be too polite like just say what you think out there I'm not going to be offended if you like slow down speed up he's like just be really clear and um he was fantastic I think yeah I'm just trying to think the at about the 2k mark we had sort of three guys roll past and I sort of thought oh far out of I slowed down here and he said no no you're fine we just had that bit of uphill and he was just really calming um to have in that first half and I think once we we found that rhythm um I didn't sort of feel like I was ever running into him or or falling back we just seemed to be um yeah, yeah. on the same page with the pace <laughs> it was probably only as I said at like 15 might have been yeah no it was 15 k's we sort of hit this south perth foreshore where there was a headwind and and that's where it's a little bit harder to to get the pace um right because he's obviously copying more resistance than i was i read your blog i read your blog yesterday and i was amazed to hear that you didn't look at the clock at halfway so you pretty much weren't you weren't getting any feedback at all on what pace you're running at is that true yeah (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's um, the best approach for me. I remember sort of thought back to the Toronto Marathon, which was my PB at the time, and that's the mindset I took into that race. Just don't don't get too caught up on times, trying to do calculations, just just run free. And so um, I could see the clock in the distance. Um, We weren't sure whether there were going to be any big clocks or – or indicators that we were at the halfway mark. And when I saw this big clock, I thought, oh, do I want to see or don't I? Um, because I remember I'd seen at the Gold Coast in 2018. And I think as soon as you see a time, you start just overthinking it a bit and thinking, okay, I'm, I'm a bit slow here. Um, am I going to have it in me to speed up? And um, it can just cause unwanted stress. So once I weighed up, there was really nothing good to come from seeing the time. I was either going to panic that I'd gone out too hard or freak out that I wasn't going as fast as I was hoping. I just decided to look down and um, was kind of running blind, but knew that um, we were somewhere, you know, in that 327 probably pace average, um, whatever that would lead to. Yeah. So, so you clock- looked away when the, yeah. when the clock went yeah. past. Yeah, I know. I was, I was scared I might see it. <laughs> that is the first time I've heard of somebody yeah. doing that. It's like Clark, Clark, he wasn't calling out any splits along the way? He was. He was calling um, 5K splits, okay. but I I just wasn't letting myself do the calculations. And it's been so long since I raced a marathon that, um, you know, I, I didn't really um, connect what, you know, a 17, 15 might, yeah. might lead to. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I didn't get the chance to to tell him not to yell out the halfway split, but he didn't. So, <laughs> and how did it, and how did the race sort of feel to you? Like especially towards the back end, especially given you hadn't raced a marathon for three years, but you hadn't really been able to give yourself that feeling of the end of a marathon in training by having done some of those, you know, marathon pace stuff at the end of long runs or whatever. So. How did the race pan out for you and were you concerned that when you got to sort of 33K that, you know, the the wheels might fall off? Yeah, I was. And whenever I had those thoughts, I just tried to distract myself um, because I was having those thoughts in the the weeks and particularly the days leading up to the race. 
Um, one thing that gave me confidence in the race was um, my fueling was all going to plan. I um, I used Morton for the first time, actually. For previous marathons, I'd used um, flavoured gels, and I used to sort of get to a point where I just didn't want to take on another one. I just felt kind of ill, but the Morton was sitting really well. So I actually ended up having five gels all up, which was probably two more than I'd usually Mm. have. I had one on the start line and then four in the race. And so knowing that I'd been able to get um, the gels in and um, the the drink mix um, gave me confidence for the later stages of the race. But I just didn't know what my calves and, and feet <laughs> and, um, and quads would do. And I, I thought it was probably my calves that were, were going to give out on me, if anything. Um, at 22K, so we, we were sort of continuing to run in the one direction with a bit of a headwind until 26K. So that 22 to 26K, I was just really – that's when I was falling off the pace at that point and just was – straight up saying, no, I, I, I can't run faster than this. I'm just, I'm feeling pretty um, tired at the moment. I'm at my limit. Um, and I just had to keep reminding myself of Melbourne Marathon in 2015. I remember feeling the exact same way heading down to that Elwood turnaround. I was like far out. I'm only 25 Ks into the race and I'm not feeling good here. And I ended up getting a bit of a, a second wind once we hit Fitzroy, Fitzroy Street. So yeah. Anyway, I, I tried not to panic um, on Sunday. I just got to that turnaround and, um, yeah, once we spun around, it, it did feel a little bit easier with the um, – not that it was a, a strong wind, but just having it, you know, in the other direction was helpful. And then I think we had a bit of a complicated section heading back up over the Narrows Bridge and I just had to concentrate on the course and where we were running and that took me away from thinking about how I was feeling and something just kind of clicked and I, I started feeling better again. But um, I think it was at about 36Ks I started feeling like a grabbing. It was like I had a ring or a hair tie around my quad. It was like this cramping feeling in a, a ring. Um, which I wasn't expecting. As I said, I thought it would be my calves that would go, if anything. So that had me a little bit worried, but it wasn't impeding my stride or anything. So um, it wasn't until I finished the race that that really caused me grief and I I wanted to sit down, but I couldn't get up again because that quad just um, was giving me nothing and it's it's still a bit sore. So I obviously did something to it. <laughs> the, uh, there's a lot of people who would panic if they started to feel like that at 25k given how long like that's a quite a uh, it's almost a sign of your experience to be able to compose yourself yeah that is definitely the benefit of having run marathons in the past and because I've reflected on every race a lot I can sort of specifically remember which race I felt a particular way in and um and can reassure myself that you know I got through it and I always um whether it's just a mind game or um, it's true, I sort of think, oh, well, my next gel or my next drink's coming up in, say, 2Ks and that's going to give me a boost. And, um, yeah, I definitely think that way with gels. I sort of see them as a bit of a a bit of a you know, <laughs> yeah. superpower when you take them on, even, yeah, <laughs> even if that's not the case. But I definitely think, um, you know, that 24, five-ish K gel I had probably helped me to have that boosted around 30 Ks. And I think as well, not being not being hung up on the splits, 
throughout the whole race meant that like you, you, you continued to run to feel, whereas if you were getting feedback on splits, you're like, oh, I'm definitely slowing down in this sort of 4K patch. It's all over, but you still like you didn't have you didn't have anything to compare it to, so that was probably yeah. good. And I think another thing, Clark, he um he'd sort of call out the the good splits, but he'd go quiet sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I think if he looked down and it was an average split, he just uh, he wouldn't say much about it. So <laughs> that was probably good for my confidence too. <laughs> uh, there, there's a bit of a free swing for you here, Jess. What could you have run on the same day at, say, a Berlin Marathon or a London Marathon? <laughs> yeah. It's hard to know because you go to those races and there's a lot more pressure. You've made a financial sacrifice. You've potentially, you know, left your husband with your toddler at home, whatever it may be, and you kind of line up feeling the weight of all of that on your shoulders. So the merit to Perth was I really felt like anything I did was a bonus so I could just go into the race feeling really free. But certainly it would have been nice to have that um a situation where the competitive juices come out and um, Perth sort of lacked that um, feeling. So I do like, um, yeah, the opportunity to try and catch people and, um, yeah. So And race, like racing, isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, You're obviously a racer too because what we've seen at the Com Games and, and the World Champs, like that, that is where you do your best work. Yeah, I do love um, running for Australia. There's something about the whole lead up, the team camp, um, you know, the friendships you make and um, you're, you've often got teammates out there on course um, cheering and and so I find that I'll go to, you know, very dark places to get the result I want mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in a marathon. Um, when you're wearing the Australian singlet, you, yeah, do whatever it takes. And, you know, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in 2018, that was that was definitely the hardest I've ever had to push to finish a race. And second to that was Rio in 2016. So, yeah, when I've been wearing the green and gold, that's when I've, yeah, mm -hmm. really um, at times wondered whether I was going to finish. And you, you do sort of find a way and those experiences give you confidence for future races. Did you check the course out beforehand? Because I saw some of the footage and it was basically all on bike paths or footpaths, which... I don't like, I'm amazed that you can run that fast in that setting. It's almost like a 42K park run. Like, you know, <laughs> whereas you compare when you do a park run to a big city event where you've got wide open roads and, you know, you're not having to dodge people coming back the other way. Like, did you check the course and, and did you think you could run super quick on it? I did. So part of the reason I went over a few days early was also to, to get a feel for the course and I thought I'd I, – <laughs> Here we go again, um, looking funny, but I thought I'd try and hire one of those um, scooters and <laughs> cruise around the course, but they didn't have them over there. So anyway, um, when Adam and Clarkie arrived, we we went for a drive and sussed out some sections of the course. And, you know, if anything, you, you've got to try and turn everything into a positive. And I thought, well, at least it's um, varied and it's engaging. Like, you you know, you've always got something to think about. I won't get bored. And um, there was a lot of yeah there were scenic parts to it um my main concern was the oncoming traffic so if, if there was anything I was sort of stressing about when I went to sleep the night before it was about going over there was the causeway it was um it was about the 14k mark um there was quite a, a an old narrow um footpath that we had to run on and um 
I knew that it would probably be okay heading out, but coming back in the opposite direction, I thought, are they going to be thick fields of runners and we're literally just you know, running mm. into people? But um, there wasn't a massive field, so we didn't have too much um, trouble with ongoing traffic. There were a few, like, long borders and, you know, um, pedestrians um, out there, but there was a lead bike, so he sort of cleared the way. And um, the actual surface didn't feel too bad. Um, I guess in training we run on sort of a a gravelly path and sometimes we're on, you know, esplanades where there's a camber and whatnot. But this, um, the whole course, I wouldn't say there was a camber, which was really helpful. Good. The um, What we'll talk about now, I reckon, Jess, is the future. So you, t- you talked about the green and gold. You're going to have a selection of races that you can pick from next year uh i think you can take your pick and you've done both of them in the past the world champs and the com games um what's going to influence your decision about which one you would select to run the marathon at yeah no it's it is a it's a big decision um and i'm really not sure yet i um yeah i have such um you know good memories from the world champs in 2017 and then, you know, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games in 2018 and, and Glasgow, they're quite different experiences. You've got that sort of village vibe at a Commonwealth Games um, where you're involved with all of the other uh, um, athletes in different sports. But um, I think the world champs is going to be um, pretty incredible next year too. Dylan is still um, training really hard and he has his goals as well. Um, he he races um, – 800s and so he's really hoping to get the most out of himself this season and um just have a a big crack at um trying to make an Australian team too so it'll end up being a family decision and um yeah it'll be really interesting to see how the you know the coming months pan out I, I would really love to run another um major at some point as well you know whether it be in Japan or or there's Houston in January I, I don't know yet whether any of those um races will be an option but um yeah (laughs) i think i'll um just uh recover from this one and then i'll probably have to write some pros and cons lists and (laughs) yes is there anything in like your sort of sponsorship contracts where like doing one over the other would be more beneficial financially for you for me i think hopefully there might be a financial decision you know earlier in the year from um yeah, I hope, <laughs> um, from another marathon. And then it sort of takes the financial side away from the Com Games or, or World Champs because, um, yeah, those those ones you sort of want to make your decisions based on just your heart and um, where you think you yes. you want to have that, exp- that life experience, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and in terms of, like, preparing for your next marathon, like you've shown that you can run marathon PBs off, you know, not massive mileage, not massive sessions, but a lot of cross-training, assuming your body's 100%, do you continue to train the way that you were sort of leading up or do you sort of increase the amount of running you're doing and decrease the amount of cross-training? Yeah, it's a really good question. I um, I think one of the things I identified in the lead-up to the Penrith race and then preparing for Perth, I was um, – doing a fair few of my sessions in the, um, the the new shoes that are available. And that's something 
new to me when I fell pregnant. Um, ASICs didn't have the super mm-hmm. shoes yet. And um, I sort of came back from pregnancy and, and started running and really enjoyed the feel of them. But um, it's it's interesting that, yeah, my my injuries have been quite unique and they're further up the chain. Um, and I just wonder whether the shoe choice was um, affecting me. So I think going forward, um, I'll try not to train too much in the super shoes, but um, just bring them out for some key ses- sessions and races. So I think that might... Um, help me with the injury side of things but also um the freshness I felt in sessions because I hadn't been doing such high mileage I I really enjoyed that so I would like to maybe incorporate some elliptical um training in you know instead of my double runs um just to hopefully keep that um freshness in the legs that I haven't experienced in many marathon preps when you're sort of churning out 180 k's you just rock up to each session feeling pretty fatigued and you you just want to get through it, but I've just been really excited and um, ready to take on sessions because I haven't been so tired. <laughs> what's the um, what's this mum strength that I hear about? Is that a thing? <laughs> um, I think you just you realise that um, you can just achieve so much more than you thought you could before. So, you know, I have always tried to keep, you know my sleep pretty consistent and I'd aim for eight to nine hours and I had so much control over it in the past. And now, um, I don't Billy, um, you know, he still wakes up during the night. We, we probably need to try and get a toddler snoo or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm nearly finished with mine. You have to be too, too small though now, Moose. Don't, don't only last, only, they're only good for about six months, aren't they? Oh, well, nah, you'll be able to drag it out. <laughs> you quickly sort of realize that it it really doesn't matter as long as you do try to get you know some some good chunks of sleep in there um as long as you're fueling well and you know you've got a just a a healthy mindset I think that is such a big part of it and when you become a a parent your perspective stuff it does shift and you kind of realize that you're out there you're going to run hard um seems like a big deal to you at the time but really in the big scheme of things it's 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 not mm-hmm. <laughs> and um that's kind of quite liberating to realize that when you're racing you're like I'm I'm having a crack here and and I'll do everything I can to get a good result but you know you, you you'll come home and you're child or baby won't know any different at the end of the day and Mm. I think one of the other things I've noticed is when I was pregnant and when I was breastfeeding my appetite was through the roof and I was able to eat a big bowl of porridge on the way to training and and train and not have any gut issues I think I just trained myself to be able to handle a lot of food around my training and um, when I stopped breastfeeding that kind of continued so I'll literally be eating a, a bowl of um porridge yeah half an hour before training and and it can sit well in my my gut now so I think that helped me on the weekend just to take on so much fuel in the race it's something that um yeah pregnancy in particular just got me into this routine of eating and drinking a lot yeah Good water and yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, Bradley, you got some more? Um, oh, you, you may have touched on this on a previous, on one of our previous ones, but some of your tips for mums returning from pregnancy, especially, I guess, runners, 
out there. How do you how do you run two twenty five? For all the mums out there asking. <laughs> well, I do think it's beneficial to incorporate some cross training if you have access to cardio equipment. So, um, because I've spoken about this, I think Billy was in um, breech position, so I ended up having a C section, which meant I had um, obviously an incision. A, a, wound site to take take care of on my return and so I was incorporating a fair bit of elliptical got back into jogging and I think it's really healthy to just have a clean slate do not think about the splits you used to hit beforehand because um, you're not going to be hitting them um, but really focus on progress and get excited about the progress because it actually comes quite quickly um, I think yeah, running at the beginning for me, I had a real uh, forward lean because I hadn't developed that abdominal strength and that eccentric control to be able to hold myself up tall. And that took quite a, a long time to get back. Um, when you, you know, first in those initial recovery weeks, you literally just have nothing there, no strength. You just, you can't even sit up straight. Um, it's it's really weird to, you know, power pack, to have a feel there. There's just, yeah, nothing. It's very daunting but um it does come back quickly and i'd tell women to see a women's health physio just to to get a bit of a, a an individualized program um and they'll be able to tell you whether you're ready to start some weight bearing exercise and running um so yeah they're my tips really be patient um focus on progress don't compare to yourself previously and uh and do some cross training as well nice i like them <laughs> um, you gonna ask that bottom one, Moose? That's a good question by you. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, you mentioned Dylan before, Jess. So yeah. Dylan, he's run one forty-six, which puts him right at the top echelon, basically of eight hundred runners in that pack at the front of a nationals field. Um, how do you both balance? competing and training at, at such a high level, especially when you both have really selfish goals of Australian teams. Um, it must be difficult because it, you, you, you almost have to be self-absorbed to a, to a degree. Yeah. No, we were only having this chat last night because typically we try to sort of tag team where Dylan will be the, um, the priority during the summer and then, um, then he'll sort of, be the one getting up during the night in the lead up to a marathon. Like we try to give the other person rest when they need it. Um, but we'll sit down and write down what we think we need for, for training. So for Dylan, it might be um, a key session on a Tuesday, a Thursday, a race or a session on a, a Saturday. And then, um, you know, three gym sessions. He's a, a very low mileage guy. So, so that helps. Um, <laughs> and then, then I'll write down what I need and then we look at, you know, which, um, yeah, how we can make it all work. So, you know, it might be on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Dylan gets up really early and, and goes and trains before work. And then on a Saturday morning, he's sort of the focus, he's training and I'm looking after Billy. And then on a Sunday morning, you know, my long run's a key session for me. So he'll be the one to, to look mm -hmm. after Billy and, um, and then, yeah, we've got um, some childcare options like um, creche at the gym and things like that. So um, that's 
that's how I get my training and particularly my cross training in um, is, is utilise that service where I can. So the trouble is when, you know, gastro goes through childcare or something and, you know, Billy can't, um, yeah, yeah. Those, those moments are tough because Dylan can't take time off work. And so um, I'll sometimes just have to um, adjust my training if, if yeah, Billy's um, unwell and or if our plans are suddenly thrown, which happens at the very last minute. So you can't sort of preempt those times. <laughs> yeah. And um, where do we think, we'll, where will we see you next? Like I know, you know, you've all got to, got to recover from this marathon, but you'll head back to the track over summer. Potentially, yeah. I, I think I got into that real um, that uh, zone of just not thinking into the future. It was just like one one week at a time, and then this race. I really hadn't thought much beyond Perth, so I've got some thinking to do. But I'd I'd really love to improve my track times. I've just that five k PB on the track, especially, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, and even a half marathon. I don't feel like I've, I've nailed that distance yet. So if there's an opportunity to try and target one of those in the new year, it would be good too. You have any more questions, Moose? No, I, um, I've enjoyed that. Yeah, no, so thank you so much for your, for your time. Like you've inspired so many people. And, and the one thing that I've taken from this is so many people out there that run a marathon think that you can only run a good marathon if you're logging massive amounts of miles. And look, there's no doubt that you train hard, but it's not all running related. And there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. And and you've you've you know basically shown that in the last week. So thanks yeah, for inspiring us. I think that's where the the motherhood thing comes in. You you do have to be a bit creative and try to do things a bit differently. And and you just have to um, try and yeah take confidence from the fact that you've trained your heart and your lungs and mm. and your muscles in some way and um, you're a lot more active during the days um, you know carrying 10 to 15 kilograms around and you've just got to try and um, acknowledge that that's all strength training as well so yeah it was um it's, it's been a cool experience um and yeah thanks for the chat today no worries all the best no for uh the rest of the year and we, we look forward to seeing you in the green and gold again next year thank you see you jess cheers jess bye but here i stand a man who's rooting on the stands and i'm